Oh my God, it was such a shanda. Okay, I know I just quoted Robert Williams from Mrs. Doubtfire, but that's not why we're here. We're here because there's a lot of madness that needs to be discussed. But before we get into it, I got to tell you about Mohawk Kana because they must be going mad themselves with all the money they are giving away this spring with the Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer. That's right. The day you walk on the lot, not 46 business days, not 46 business weeks, the day you walk on the lot with your used vehicle, they will give you the fair market value based on the Kelly Blue Book numbers. That's right. Check in hand that day. No waiting period. You get the cash that you deserve right away. Or, 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 or take that amount. Use it towards buying a new vehicle. Buy a 2022 on the Mohawk Honda lot. Or buy any of their great certified pre-owned used inventory, including a select few 2021s they even have on the lot still that have very minimal mileage on them. Go check it out. Their inventory is all over. It's on MohawkHonda.com. It's on their social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter. Terrific, terrific sales and leasing consultants on the lot at Mohawk Honda. Looking to work with you to find either the best value for your vehicle to make sure you get a check in hand day of or find the best vehicle that you can trade in for. That'll fit your budget and your lifestyle. So go visit Mohawk Conde in Scotia Glenville, where they always go out of their way to please you. Also, a quick reminder, our friends over at the Albany Empire, they took home a victory at the Columbus Lions this past weekend. And now they are back in action this coming Saturday, June the 4th, 7 p.m. kickoff at MVP Arena in downtown Albany. They'll be hosting the Carolina Cobras tickets on sale at AlbanyEmpireNAL.com. And don't forget, the pregame show coming your way with our friends Levac and Gaz. Pregame, probably around 3.34 o'clock, live from MVP Arena. Again, AlbanyEmpireNAL.com for tickets for the Empire and the Cobras this Saturday, 7 p.m. kickoff in downtown Albany. That all being said, folks, I'd like to welcome you to episode 52 of White Heat. However, I am not providing any lighting yet to this office setting that I am always in every single week because I like to open by accepting that this show today will be the official burial and eulogy of any remote competition that AEW expected to give WWE. My friends, we gather to say goodbye to AEW's TV ratings and potential competition to WWE. I am Brian Katie. You can follow me at Brian Katie on Twitter. That's JJ Alexander. You can follow him at JJ underscore Alexander on Twitter. Mr. Alexander, welcome to the funeral of AEW. How are you, sir? You should never buy Gribbonus from Memorial. It's so chewy. Thank you for following up one Mrs. Doubtfire reference to another Mrs. Doubtfire reference. But have you ever actually had Griminus? No. I have. And? It's it's like a chicharron, except it's made with chicken fat instead of uh, pork skin. Mm. Doesn't sound it's, as enticing. It's not, like a, it's not like a meal. It's like it's added onto something. It's like a garnish. Well, chicharron can be used as a garnish or a side right. dish, so... Yeah, no. There's an Italian place that used to be by here where they had a they had a like a chicken cutlet grinder, and they would put they would put on it to give it that little crunch appeal, and it was pretty fucking good. 
Interesting. Gotcha. Well, yes, episode 52 of White Heat. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll give the disclaimer right now out of the gate before we uh, get fully – we fully dive into the show. Mm-hmm. Um, if you came here for a ton of WWE talk, this is not the episode for you. <laughs> we'll talk some WWE, don't you worry. We will, yeah. am, including proper previews for NXT in your house and Hell in a Cell, both premium live events available on Peacock with the WWE Network this coming Saturday and Sunday, June 4th and 5th. However, clearly not the big stories to be covering out of the gate with this episode. Um, <laughs> also... If you came here for anything involving Impact Wrestling, which I highly doubt you ever do, but if you did, this is not the episode for you because, quite frankly, as much as I respect the workers of Impact Wrestling, we are not even going to touch on that today except for one little thing that happened over the weekend that, yeah, yeah, um, I think it'll make JJ happy if he hasn't heard that news yet. <laughs> um, Yeah, we'll just we'll leave it at that. Let's get the uh, let's get right into it. We're gonna start across the pond. We're gonna start 14 hours ahead of us over in Japan. Two directions we need to go here. Number one, best super juniors, the final day of pool matchups occurs as we're recording this at 3:20 p.m. Eastern time, Monday, May 30th, Memorial Day. By the way, happy Memorial Day. Whoops, my bad. Missed that part. You know, remember we're having our own memorial. <laughs> yeah, we're having a memorial on Memorial Day. So, Eddie Hooser. Um, uh, there, so in about 12 hours, 13 hours or so, will be the kickoff of the final pool matchups in Best of Super Juniors, which will be, by the way, I'll run down the matches and then I'll give you the scenarios that will play into who will be in the Best of Super Juniors final. Uh, starting at the bottom, now we're here uh, mm-hmm. to open the show. Bear with me for a hot second as I get to the bottom of the page. Uh, Taguchi taking on Kanemaru. That'll open the show. It'll then be followed by Master Wado versus Doki. Then we'll have Bush, uh, Bushi versus El Lindemann. Alex Zane taking on Clark Connors. Wheeler Yuta versus TJP. In a matchup, by the way, they'll determine who will finish under 500 and who will finish above 500 <laughs> juniors, as they're both 4-4 four and four in the tournament right now. Uh, then we'll have Yo versus Sho. Intriguing. Figured they were uh, going to throw that in there somewhere. Then we get to the... Uh, why is this not labeled? Okay. So then we're going to get to... Uh, the last four matches, three of which have potential implications into who goes to the final. The first being Robbie Eagles versus Teton. The match of the last four that doesn't matter is Ace Austin versus Akira. Uh, Francesco Akira, by the way. Then we have in the semi-main El Desperado against El Fantasmo. And the main event booked right now is Hiromu Takahashi versus Taiji Ishimori. So, here are the mathematics of it. The main event, it's very simple. Whoever wins between Hiromu and Taiji Ishimori is going to the best of Super Juniors final out of Block A. Block B, 
works as follows. El Desperado can advance to the final if he beats El Fantasmo and Robbie Eagles loses to Titan. Robbie Eagles can advance if he wins and El Fantasmo loses. So basically, if Eagles wins, then whatever Desperado does doesn't mean a goddamn thing. Um, and Fantasmo, he's a winning in. So that's how the B block breaks down uh, in that regard. So basically, we're looking at either Takahashi or Ishimori taking on anyone out of El Fantasmo, El Desperado, or Robbie Eagles for the best for Junior's final. I'm guessing Takahashi and Eagles. And because then what'll happen is they'll bring Eagles over for fucking the pay-per-view in June to face Wheeler Yuta and be like, I should have won the best of super juniors, but I suck balls. Probably. By the way, that best of super juniors final night is going to be this coming Friday, June the third, from the Budokan in Tokyo. Which let me take a look here. Uh there are no other matches booked for yet. So my assumption is they'll just do what they've had done before um, during the block pool matches. They'll probably just pull together random singles and tag matches out of the participants that were in the tournament to begin with. Um, so that takes care of that business. But as much as I love the best of Super Juniors tournament, that does not overshadow what happened during the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um so, back on Friday, three days ago, um, Takaki Kidani and Takami Obari Gesundheit. held... What's up? That's a Gesundheit. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, they held a press conference to address the comments made on social media by Kota Ibushi. I'll use that phrasing in loose quotes, the <laughs> comments made by Kota Ibushi, <laughs> as well as to address the whole Ibushi situation as far as his standing with the company and so on and so forth. Um, just so you are aware, um, Obari is the president of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Kidani is the uh, one of the head members of um, the TV production company behind them. I'm trying mm. to think. I am Sapporo. Sapporo is a beer, right? But um, it's Sapporo Sport. Uh, Bushy Road. He's representative director of Bushy Road. That's right. Oh, thinking. sorry. You know what I was thinking of? I was thinking of TV Asahi. TV Asahi, which is the other Japanese beer, which, which is why I always confuse Sapporo and Asahi. My bad. Which I, I almost said TV Asahi, but I was like, I'm not sure if that's actually the company he was representing. He was representing Bushy Road. My apologies. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um. So here's what happens. So they open the press conference with, um. President um, Obari opening. So I'm not going to read word for word because they put the entire transcript of the statements both gentlemen made as well as word for word the Q&A they accepted from the media after they made their statements. The long and short of what President Obari presented um, he basically presented, he pick and chose which 
social media posts to present from Abushi. <laughs> so essentially, anything not potentially discriminating New Japan or representing any potential relationship with the Japanese Yakuza <laughs> was just ignored for this press conference. <laughs> they specifically focused on the social media posts Abushi presented regarding um, the strained relationship he was referring to with a member of management. So What's that in reference to? Well, here it goes. So they reference how Kodobushi is exclusively contracted to New Japan. Apparently, and this is the part I will read word for word quick. Okay. On March 4th, Mr. Ibushi made an appearance seconding wrestlers at a Just Tap Out event in breach of the terms of his contract. <laughs> now, Just Tap Out is a company that has shows run by Takamichi Noko. If you didn't get the Just Tap Out reference... Go look up any promo Takamichi Noko did when he seconded Zack Sabre Jr. a couple years ago with uh, Suzuki-gun. Anyways, continuing. uh, The aforementioned official is responsible for contacting various wrestlers contracted to New Japan, but also has a long personal history with Mr. Ibushi that extends far before him becoming an exclusively contracted talent. The official contracted Koda in belief that he his actions were in breach of contract and taken deliberately to persuade New Japan to terminate its agreement with him. So basically, they're saying Kota Bushi purposely took this book, this appearance booking for Taka's company to try and force New Japan's hand in determining his contract so he could leave the company. Fucking wow. Hmm. Eddie Hooser. Um um, pursuing this is a betrayal of personal trust established over a number of years. Um, his messages referring to Ibushi's were sent in an emotional state as a result. Um, so the president then requested a full status report from this official. And then he ends up meeting with Kota Ibushi on March the 31st. They have a and I'll just kind of gloss over the details that they went over. They had a conversation. They then went to a restaurant, had a meal, seemed to be having an amicable conversation. Um, then the dude Kota, went to the bathroom, grabbed a gun from behind the dry. It's no, not the Godfather. Okay? <laughs> uh, Koda explained how Takamichinoko had personally asked him to appear at that event. Um, To be at the event, but he wasn't actually booked for the event. Apparently, according to Kota Ibushi, this is, he decided on his own to uh, go to ringside and second to the wrestlers that he was ringside for. So he wasn't even booked to be part of the show. Apparently, Kota Ibushi made the decision on his own to do that. Whatever. So... Um. So whatever. So it was agreed upon that there was going to be some kind of reprimand from New Japan against Kota Ibushi because Kota has a lifetime contract with New Japan. Right. So then fast forward. Um, Kota Ibushi puts out uh, tweets that include screenshots, screenshots of conversations he had with said official. This is Kota Ibushi putting this out. Um, and then also says uh. 
It also says that Mr. Ibushi contacted New Japan management um, after being contacted by his mother. Um, and then also came to find out that on May 9th, she had attempted suicide and suffered a broken bone in her back as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, then Coda had a meeting on May 10th with the legal staff that included the legal staff of New Japan trying to figure out best course of action to move forward. So there's no, so basically here's the end result. There's no formal announcement about basically they want the John Lord I proud of. He's suspended indefinitely and we're not going to reveal if he's been fined mm-hmm. any X amount of money, but he's suspended indefinitely. Mm-hmm. That's essentially the uh-huh. route they took on that. Yep. Um, as far as the representative director of Bushiro, Takaki um, Kidani, he really didn't say a whole lot, except um, he supports the New Japan decision, but he also realizes the immense talent that Kota Bushi brings to the table and so on and so forth. Um, so, and then the Q&A was basically just follow-up stuff. Um, like, one member of the media asked if they were able to reconcile their differences. Kadani said, I believe so. <clears throat> um, Kadani said that during both discussions, Kodobushi seemed like there was tension at first during the first meeting, but the more they talked, the more they seemed to be cool with each other. Um, but all in all, basically, the, this, the, the, what we know is, number one, Kotobushi is still a contracted wrestler under New Japan Pro Wrestling. Number two, he's basically indefinitely suspended for the time being, which is interesting because also revealed in these two meetings was Kotobushi telling President Kidani, oh, by the way, my shoulder's still fucked up. Mm-hmm. So it's really, I'm still on the IL, but I'm also considered indefinitely suspended. Plus, we still have not heard from Kota since this meeting took place two days ago, apparently. Correct. We have not heard from Kotobushi since this press conference back on Friday. And we really haven't heard from Ko- actually even go further back. We haven't heard from Kotobushi since said meeting on May 10th. So right. it's basically been three weeks. Um you remember that shit was just happening with that uh Chinese gymnast or whatever that the Chinese government kept saying she's fine and everyone's like, then why won't you release anything? Right. <laughs> uh Some shady shit. Here's here's what I would like to see at this point. The only reason I'm not buying what's being sold here is because there wasn't a third person at this press conference. Yeah. If Kodobushi was at the press conference to not only make a statement of his own, but also field questions from the media at the time, right? then I'd say everything's copacetic. The problem I have with this press conference is that it feels more like let me let me let me give a point of reference, a historical point of reference here. If you go back in your history books, ladies and gentlemen, 
There was something that played into the start of World War One called the Black Hand. If I remember correctly, if my if my um my high school history teachers educated me properly, then I'm remembering this correctly. From what I recall, the Black Hand was affiliated with some not so nice people. There was the Italian mafia, the legit OG Italy. And led to the assassination <laughs> of King Ferdinand in Croatia. Well, not Croatia, yep. but um, led to the assassination of King Ferdinand, which mm -hmm. henceforth essentially started World War One in 1914, mm -hmm. and then led to and then U.S. got involved, and all shit came over. Yep, yep. Long and short of it, it was okay. So you, you get my point. Mm -hmm. The feeling I get out of this is very much. The black hand, uh huh, just kind of hovering, mm -hmm. but nobody wants to look up. I mean, kind of like the hand holding a marionette thing. <laughs> yeah, that's another way to look at it too. Yeah, it's for another Godfather reference. <laughs> it's very <sighs> or defined ink reference because I know you guys had a shirt like that, by the way. Which was um, a playoff on the old La Familia, which was a playoff of the original Godfather logo. Correct. Um, this does not sit well with me. Let me just... That's the simplest way I can put it right now. Like, this does not sit well with me. Like, right. I, I respect them having the press conference and attempting to make things look kosher. Things ain't kosher, y'all. Like, Grimness is kosher. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. It was a layup. <laughs> now, obviously, U.S. wrestling had a lot of shit going on this weekend. Yeah. Particularly with one company, which we'll touch on in a little bit. Mm -hmm. But... Somebody's got to say something at some point, right? Agreed. Like, it's 2022. Mm -hmm. You're lucky if you can fart and not have somebody say something about it. Uh-huh. How That's... the fuck is this going so under the radar right now? They're trying to sweep everything as much, uh, as, much as possible under the rug because they got an American pay-per-view in three weeks, bro. That they still got thousands of tickets they need to sell. But here's, 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 here's what I'm getting at, though. Like, when I say nobody's talking about this, mm -hmm. I mean nobody. Not yeah. the Meltzers, not the Alvarezes, not the Saps, not fucking the Cultaholics or the, uh, who the fuck are the other English dudes? Uh, Twat culture. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's because and, it involves the company that all of them jerk off to. So they don't want it would be like if there was this playboy centerfold that they all loved and then she came out where in a picture with a freaking swastika and a hitler stash and they'd be like no 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 it didn't happen i swear but somebody has to say like it's not even like even beyond that mm -hmm. even go into the actual journalistic respectable kind mm -hmm. of people bleach reporters in covering this 
CBS Sports isn't covering this. Sports Illustrated isn't covering this. Nobody is touching this with a 10-foot pole. I know. And I don't fucking get it. Like, it's not like Sports Illustrated or CBS Sports or Bleach Report are in that country. They're fucking thousands of miles away. You're separated by a goddamn ocean. It's a different continent. I agree. Like, how do you not fucking go and look into this? Because of two things that I talked about a couple of weeks ago on here. One is that wrestling is considered entertainment news and it's considered bottom of the barrel entertainment news to companies that don't like make that their main focus. And two, anything involving the Yakuza never gets reported on. It's, 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 it's the equivalent of how often outside of, outside of you seeing something in the headline with Southern district of New York, do you hear about organized crime cases in this country? Exactly. Look at how look at how long John Gotti got away with shit before he finally went up on charges. And the John Gotti shit was originally mostly just tax shit, really. Right. Because um, that's how they got him all. That's how they got Capone. <laughs> right. Let me let me take this a step further mm-hmm. because I want to I want to put a challenge out. Mm-hmm. And trust me, I'm going to tag these motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm going to tag these motherfuckers when I start sharing this shit on social media. Where the fuck is David Shoemaker? Where's The Ringer? Where's Peter Gre- uh, Peter Rosenberg? Where the fuck is Sam Roberts? Mm-hmm. Where the fuck are all these supposed respected journalists who are affiliated with pro wrestling in some shape, way, or form, typically. Yep. Shoemaker's been in a number of wrestling documentaries. Mm-hmm. Rosenberg and Roberts both do appearances for WWE. Right. Now, like, they have direct ties to New Japan. Right. Where the fuck is your coverage? Right. Like, somebody... Like, I know my standing in this world. I know my standing in... In the wrestling media world. It's not exactly very high. I get it. It's okay. Would I like this show to take off and become something huge in five years? No, of course I fucking do. But I know where I stand right now here in, on May 30th, 2022 recording this episode. I know where I stand. Somebody needs to fucking do something. Mm-hmm. Like, any, fucking anyone. I think there is one person who I think would have the balls to broach this, but has probably been told by Vince and by DraftKings, don't touch that with a 10-foot pole. I think if he had the wherewithal to be, like, if if he was just allowed to run with it without having sponsorship say, listen, we're not going to fucking keep giving you, Pat McAfee would be all over this. See, I don't know about that. I'm not fully convinced about that. I think he would. You think Pat even knows it's fucking happening? I I think he's got an inkling. And even if he didn't, if he was told, he would be all into delving into it. But he was probably like, if, if he hasn't, if he didn't already know or someone has already told him, he's probably already been broached by WWE and by DraftKings and be like, listen, Just don't even acknowledge us right now. Let it breeze over. You know, I'm going to lay down a challenge right now. 
I'm going to lay down a challenge to a very, very specific show. Because you give me an idea here. I like to challenge the overcredited, no talented crew of David LaGreca and Busted Open Nation. <laughs> they ain't going to do shit. I like to challenge Hall of Famer Mark Henry and wannabe Hall of Famer Tommy Dreamer. Say anything. Say something. Gabby Laspisa, their, their executive producer of the show, say something. Just even just spend an hour on it. I'm not asking for you to do a fucking blow-by-blow, day-to-day update. Even just a segment. I'll take a segment. <laughs> I'll take one fucking segment of you covering this. And I would be satisfied with you because I don't expect professionalism from you assholes. <laughs> one fucking segment. And you know what? I didn't even mention the specific asshole I like to see talk about it. Bubba. It's your big mouth. Hey, bully, why don't you fucking say something? <laughs> you seem like burning bridges left and right every time I turn around <laughs> on social media. Why don't you fucking say something? I don't even think he's ever fucking sniffed working in Japan. Don't give a fuck. Don't give a fuck. I challenge any of those assholes to step up and fucking... Even f- fuck, fuck a full segment. Give me five minutes. <laughs> Give the subject five goddamn minutes. I'm sure you willingly talked about New Japan when they had the whole fucking Super Show a few years ago the, uh, during Mania Week in New York. I'm sure you still suck the dick of Okada every once in a while on your show. Mm-hmm. Fucking step up. For the sake of a talent, I know you've also talked about on your show numerous times in Kota Bushi. Fucking say something for him. Because what you are all failing to understand over these last couple of months is that Kotobushi is calling for fucking help. Mm-hmm. He's like Anne Frank writing her diary during World War II. They want fucking help. Yep. And nobody's fucking doing it. I agree. Tony Khan, if you supposedly have all this power and all these connections, fucking do something for the guy. Nah, bro. Cocaine. Save the money from a few of the kilos you usually buy from Key West and fucking get the guy out of Japan. Do something <laughs> for him. Lay off the blow for a few weeks. You're funny. out CM Punk at Media Scrums. Oh, we're going to get to that. Yeah. Motherfuckers. I don't even... I mean, and fuck it. I'm the, we want to burn bridges. I'll burn fucking bridges right now. Where's every fucking wrestler who gets tweaked out about the littlest shit not saying anything? I'm not even talking about in a formal venue. Fucking social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the all the fucking uh, all the fucking basement goblins don't want to say anything because they ain't got balls. They ain't got balls, and they probably have subscriptions tied up into New Japan, and they don't want to fucking wreck that shit. The world no move to the beat of just one drop. <laughs> All the goblins are saying nothing. All the wrestlers who have anything to say about Matt Cardona taking a shit bigger than Chelsea Green, they'll fucking say something then. They won't say something about this. 
George Nell go light his fucking foot on fire in the middle of a ring, but he won't fucking talk about this. <laughs> Which, by the way, I saw a clip of uh, Papa Shango from 30 years ago. Uh, With the lights out and the fire on the feet. Yep. And all I had to say to it, well, I guess George Nell didn't properly do his research before lighting his foot on fire. Well, yeah, because they used Sterno and they had fire extinguishers. I'm I'm beyond livid about this situation. Right, Lisa? And I'm getting to a point where I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Um, yep. Because I know I ain't got the money or resources to do anything about it, except come on here and be a loudmouth asshole about it. But I like to think of being a loudmouth asshole, a loudmouth asshole with some morals and decency. Apparently nobody else fucking has it right now. Except for you, my friend. Or anybody else who listens to this show and agrees with us. Yeah. Now I need to breathe. Because I came on to this show with allergy symptoms of a stuffy nose and a fucked up throat. And I need to uh. save myself for these assholes right now. <laughs> AEW is a whole new level of fucked up. But before we even get to any of the fucked up shit that was beyond fucked up shit from the last 48 hours, I need to somehow roll through their three hours of television quick. Oh, I don't know yes. how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to fucking make myself do this. That's all right. I got my notes ready. Okay. So. So we get to the open of Dynamite. I understand starting off hot, but did you really need to do a steel cage match to start the night? Two things. Number one, I've never, ever been a proponent of opening a show with a cage match. I don't care what company it is. You don't fucking do it. Like, I understand sometimes there's the logistics of it. Like, like there was a fucking stupid-ass fucking Joey Bricko, fucking one of his shows. He opened with a fucking cage match. And it was just because, well, it takes time to put the cage up, and so it's easier to do it under the opener and then take it down and then have the rest of the show. I don't give a fuck. You make the crowd wait 10 minutes. What do you think they did back in the day? Like, fucking old-ass fucking house shows in the fucking garden and shit. Like, it yeah. took time to put up the cage. You just run a second quick intermission, and you fucking figure it out. One of the smartest things I ever saw was uh, was uh, I was uh, down in Jersey for an NWA cyberspace show back in the day, and they had a cage match advertised on it. I'm trying to I think it was Abyss and Jeff Jarrett, okay. um, and they were renting Combat Zone's cage, and they obviously needed to set it up. Well, what they did was the match before that. I mean, it was a little bit of overbooking of giving matches on the show, but hey, whatever. The match before that was a false count anywhere match. Uh, Slick Wagner Brown and Rodney Mack, they fought to the outside of the building and were down because it was a police athletic league building. So there were like fields and shit. So they were all fighting outside and the whole crowd runs out to watch. Meanwhile, the combat zone guys are inside and set up the cage. Pretty damn smart.
I get it, but I'm not the hugest fan of that. But whatever. I'm not saying it was the greatest thing ever, but it was as far as saving time, it was pretty smart. Because then, like, what happens is oh, the I match agree. finishes outside, people come in and like, oh hey, the cage is up. Cool. Right. We ain't got to. But anyways, yeah, opening with a cage match. Opening with a cage match is just lazy, um, especially because you j- you fucking you obviously record dark right before it, so like you're making people have the intermission at, at the end of dark for it. Like it's it's it, the logistics of everything just make no sense. Number two. Why are you going to open with a cage match when your competitor just opened with a cage match two days prior? Anything you can do, I can do better. Or in this case, I can only do it worse. Yes, I can. No, I can't. Yes, I can. <laughs> and very um, much number three, how are you going to open with a cage match? A cage match that is the final stop on the biggest feud you have going into your pay-per-view. And have it go less than 10 minutes. Yep. Like this is a this is a company that is known for having people go too long in their matches. You've had Wardlow squash matches that have gone longer than that cage match one. Including his most recent one, I believe, which was the W Morrissey one. Exactly. Because I know that was a two seg match and it, it felt like 15 to 20. Yep. With intros. Yep. But Sean Spears, who remember was the first big bad heel of the company when he showed up at Double or Nothing three years ago and ripped Cody's scalp open. <laughs> Which I'm sure you minutes. want to send him a Christmas card for still. I could care less for either guy. The moment I saw that, I was like, really? This is what this company is going to be? Okay. Quick thing. Number one, I vividly remember going to actually, okay, I actually fully remember this. So the the night they did um, alright, so, never mind. Let me rewind. So back when they did Smackdown tapings on Tuesday for Friday Night TV. Mm-hmm. That was when Edge retired. Bridgeport. Still during that time. Yep. Um, and I was in the audience for his SmackDown retirement segment. Gotcha. Because um, it went WrestleMania in... No, fuck New York. me. No. When, what was his... Wasn't Atlanta? Maybe. I just, I keep thinking New York because I know the retirement speech happened in Bridgeport on Raw. I want to say that was the Atlanta mania. Okay. So this is before they even started doing Raw. No. They didn't do Raw the night after in Atlanta too? No. Edge retired to Bridgeport. Bridgeport. I remember it was specifically it was the same one as Miz and Cena, so it had to be the Mania in Atlanta, I'm assuming, right? Because that was the George Dome, wasn't it? I thought the Mania in Atlanta with Miz and Cena was somewhere in Florida. No. The Florida one the following year was Rock Cena 1. The once-in-a-lifetime okay. Mania. Um, I'm pretty sure that was Atlanta. Anyways, I'm sure you're going to look that up right now anyways. But anyways, 
So, because I remember one of the one of the first matches of that show, and I, I actually you know what? Fuck it, I'm gonna look it up. It was WrestleMania 27. I actually remember the number. The number. Um, was t- yeah, 27 was in Atlanta. It was 2011 that Edge did the retirement. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he had it was so it went Mania in Atlanta, and I want to say it was the s- second match. Oh no, it was the opening match of the pay per view. Edge defended the he successfully defended the World Heavyweight Title against Alberto Del Rio. Right, right. So the next night, so Bridgeport will go with. Mm-hmm. He re- does the retirement speech on Raw. The next night's in Albany, New York, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm like four rows back at Smack for that SmackDown taping. Yep. He does the retirement speech. Sure. The oh, another reason that night still stands out in my head is because they ended up taping. Um, I want to say they might have taped two SmackDowns actually, because they might have gone on a European tour after that. That sounds about right. Because I remember Cody wrestling twice when he was still Stardust. But I'm trying to remember who the fuck. Oh, who were the? Because they had it. Because they they also taped a steel cage match for the tag team titles. I'm trying to remember who the hell it was. Was it the Usos? I don't know. For some reason, Dolph Ziggler's in my head, and I don't know why. But anyways, um, so they they and I remember that match when they eventually showed it on SmackDown was the opening match of the broadcast. Um, so it's not the so WWE doesn't do the cage match first thing very often. The memory that you did serve me while you were talking about the garden and then you were talking about the NWA show, mm-hmm. the perfect example of the whole cage thing. Mm-hmm. Remember when they did Hogan Orndorff on Saturday night's main event? Yeah. And they basically did the, the whole first half hour of the show. And then they devoted an entire segment while the cage was being built about mm-hmm. the cage itself. Right. And then they came back after that break and they went into the match. Yeah. Like, there's a way you could pull off a TV presentation centered around. Like, worst case scenario, you could have done, here's a fucking ingenious idea. You do your show. Let's say you get to about 930-ish. Mm-hmm. You could have spent your entire next segment distracting away from the cage being built or lowered down or whatever. Mm-hmm. You could have showed pre-tapes for a segment there. Because you do enough of them as it is. Right. No. Fuck that shit. Anyways. So they open with Wardlow and Spears. Um, is what it is. Whatever. Um, or you know what they could have done? They could have fucking talked about Wheeler Yuta being over in the best of the Super Juniors tournament right now and how he's doing. Or fuck it. You could have just previewed your card for the pay-per-view. That too. You could have done a whole bunch of shit there. Um, like, it, or like, speaking of previewing your, your pay-per-view, you could have shown a clip from the upcoming countdown to double or nothing show you had Friday night mm-hmm. right after rampage. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so they jerk us around. It starts with MJF claiming he doesn't know where the fucking key is for the handcuffs. Wardlow eventually breaks the handcuffs. Spears yeah, hits MJF with the chair on accident because Wardlow ducks out of the way. And then he power bombs. 
eventually powerbombs Spears on the chair after three other powerbombs. Bryce Remberg, Remsburg gets in the ring because MJF is still out from the chair shot. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, whatever. So Wardlow wins. That officially, officially books MJF Wardlow for the pay-per-view. We'll come back to that later. <laughs> then we get... So we've gone from fireballs to Eddie Kingston, the fireballs on random indie guys in the back wearing staff shirts. Yep. Because I'm a wizard. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Did I, I don't know if I said this last week or not. Um, But I know I was having a conversation somewhere about it. Uh, w- would you care to tell me when was the last time you ever saw someone in WWE throw a fireball? Oh, God. You don't need to think hard about it because it hasn't happened. It's never happened on TV. Nothing in the last 20, 25 years. Yes. Like not even Kane. Like my, this is my point. The fireball spot has for the most part been a staple of Southern and Memphis wrestling. It's not a sports entertainment thing. Uh, I think Sheik might have used it when he was running Detroit back in the day. Okay, but still, Just territory stuff. Right, right, very territorial, yes. Yeah, it's territory stuff. Like, like the he, most extreme thing I could think of from the last 20, 25 years is any special effects they ever did for Taker with like lightning or shit like that, but that's, that's really it. Right, the last time I remember a fireball spot being planned during a fucking televised match was the botched fireball spot between Hogan and Warrior in WCW. Oh, Jesus Christ, on the Halloween Havoc, yeah. Right. And that was what? Uh, 99? 90, no. 98? Yeah, because... Uh, when was Kate with Sting? Was that 97? I think so. Okay, so maybe it was under 97. So I think it was 97, yeah. So, late 90s, and WCW, and pay-per-view. So that's the last time that I recall a fireball spot being done in a sports entertainment. Somehow it was not done by Vince Russo. Yeah, I know. Because I think Vince was, I think he was, yeah, he was still in WWE at that time. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Because he wasn't gone till 98. Wow. Yeah. Um, so that's it's it's that's precisely my point. It's an old wrestling fucking staple. It's not a sports entertainment thing. So stop fucking doing it. Yeah, and we're just doing it to do it at this point. Right. Um then we get Paige and Punk in the ring with Tony Schiavone. I think they're trying they were trying to make Paige come off heel, but when you have a fan base that's 50-50 between the two guys, you're never going to pull that off, so it doesn't fucking matter. That whole segment was just awful, and they were trying to give it Roddy Piper or Bret Hart vibes. Which is impossible, because the story doesn't fit. I know. The Bret Piper story does not fit at all. I know. But that's what they were trying to pull. Can I I ask a question real quick? Mm Mm-hmm. Doesn't fucking matter if you said yes or no. I'm a fucking host. I'm going to fucking ask anyways. (laughs) Now, I'm going to preface it by saying this. I've openly said in this program before, and I've openly told any of my wrestling fans in the past, I the first thing that got me into wrestling and liking wrestling was Bret Hart. 
That okay. was the first wrestler. I was like, that's my guy. But the question still remains right now. Why does everybody still have such a fucking hard on for trying to recycle Bret Hart shit? Like, if you're trying to recycle Bret Hart, like, certain spots from certain matches, okay, I guess I can live with that. Sure. But not every fucking little thing about Bret Hart's career needs to be recycled in 2022. Mm-hmm. Especially it doesn't fucking fit the dynamic of what your program is. And that doesn't fucking fit. It's because Bret Hart was when this myth started that people like fucking Meltzer and Alvarez started shoving up people's throats about Bret Hart was when there was the changing of the guards and smaller wrestlers could be main eventers and blah, blah, even though Bret was the same size as fucking half the roster that Vince was employing at the time. But it was like, was this the is rid of all the bodybuilder guys and they were the new generation. Right, exactly. But it's like, you know, this this showed that, you know, technical wrestlers could be main eventers and blah, 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 blah. It's like, they always seem to want to... Motherfucker, fucking... that's what Randy Savage was. I, I know this. You know this. Savage, th- that's the thing. It's see, Here's... I'm going to I'm gonna lay this out for you in a step-by-step fashion. And did they forget about Ric Flair in the 70s and 80s? Let, let me get to it. Let me get to Steamboat. it. Steamboat. Let me get to it. Here's the problem. Because Meltzer had a hard-on for Bret Hart. And the Observer had a hard-on for Bret Hart. I was like, oh, technical wrestlers have now been brought to the forefront of the biggest company on the planet. So, therefore, that's when there was this changing of the guard and Bret Hart was a trailblazer. No, he fucking wasn't. The problem was Bret Hart was the first boring fucker who was not that great of a... Let me finish. Was not that great of a promo, but could do moves. So therefore, the, this w- this was the changing of the guard of technical wrestlers, not fucking realizing that Savage and Steamboat and Flair and all them were doing it for years before. But the thing was, Flair is an entertainer. Savage is an entertainer. Steamboat is a technical guy, but Steamboat never hit that brass ceiling with Vince. He did in fucking ENWA, but he didn't with Vince. It's this whole fucking whitewashed fucking history that people want to keep fucking like want to keep fucking perpetuating that doesn't exist it's just like every fucking jack wagon that says savage steamboat is the greatest wrestlemania match of all time but have never actually sat down and watched it it's every fucking fuck buckle who is 22 years old who says the attitude era was the greatest time in wrestling when they were a fucking fetus when it was actually happening if that Right. But because jack wagons like fucking Meltzer and fucking Alvarez and fucking twat culture and fucking and, and fucking and cultaholic and all them fucking keep saying the attitude era was the greatest thing ever. And Bret Hart was the greatest world champion ever that people keep fucking thinking that it's true. And it's not. If Bret Hart was the greatest fucking champion ever. Vince wouldn't have been losing money every fucking year that he was champ. I want to follow up by asking you what your what you think the best WrestleMania match of all time was, but I feel like we don't have nearly enough time to have that discussion right now. Unless you know it off the top of your head. It's hard to say. I mean, I was alive for Savage Steamboat, and I've watched it several times, and yes, it is, it's, a, it's a fucking classic. It's a masterpiece. Is it my favorite Mania match of all time? I, I'd say it's up there, but I like just on the spot, I couldn't tell you an absolute number one favorite right now. Can I throw out one that 
I swear we'll we'll move on from this. Yeah, yeah. I throw out one real quick that I think doesn't get appreciated enough because of who is involved in it. Sure. Hogan Savage WrestleMania Five. Yes, Hogan Savage was a very good match. Okay. I just feel like people don't give enough credit just because Hogan's in it. Huh. But anyways, but no, like let's go even let's I'll go even back further than the names you we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Do we forget who was champion for a few years before Hogan ever showed up? I'm not talking Bob about Street. Thank you. And even before that, like Let me put it this way. Bruno might have been built like a bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't like he wasn't all show. Right. Dude, fucking Pedro Morales. Pedro Morales was a fucking technician to end all technicians. People never give him enough fucking credit. I, I my brain hurts. Yeah. <sighs> all right. To keep going. Then they get a promo package about the TBS title match at Double or Nothing, which nobody really cared about, but they showed it anyways. Because they literally announced it like three days before that. They're like, oh, by the way. Correct. Um, I like to th- I like to thank the wrinkle that Chris Jericho has thrown into this part of things. They're cutting off Judas. So if you yeah. it's not like they so they're not taking it away, but at least he's cutting it off and not allowing them to sing. So I'll thank, because I'm assuming that's a Jericho idea. I doubt anybody else came up with that fucking idea. So I'd like to thank Chris on that one. I'll give him mm-hmm. that. I'll give him credit on that one. Um, so we get Jericho and Regal at commentary while Kingston and Moxley beat the shit out of Private Party. I will um, tell you one thing, though. Yes. Jericho having them cut off Judas is just him ripping off someone else as well. Who had a theme song that people liked and they cut it off? Not quite theme song. Hey, 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 this isn't sing along with the champ. Oh, the. Uh... Same thing. Yeah, I suppose. Um, two, the only two notes I wrote down. Number one, I almost forgot what Private Party was like as a tag team. Mm-hmm. Number two, Mark Quinn looks awful with his beard dyed blonde. <laughs> Have you seen it? Yes, I have, because this is my two notes on it. Number one, fuck Mark Quinn. I could never stand working with him. Good to see which you. Okay. we've covered numerous times. Right. Because the kid has too much of a fucking ego and doesn't listen to the booker ever. I'll take Kenny Bengal for 500 bucks more than ever paying Mark Quinn. Right, exactly. And uh, also, um, please explain to me. Please, please, I, I would like it explained to me, dear God, why... Mox and Danielson and Yuta can't come out together. But Mox and Kingston can. Thank you. Because Mox and Kingston were coming out together before Mox was ever involved with Danielson and Yuta. That's Don't the only care. I know. But that's <laughs> the only logical answer I can give you because that, that's the facts. I, I don't know anything else to give you. Um, oh, and also, uh, it yes. was during this point that I said, here's the one thing. There's the one glaring thing about watching Dynamite. Ron SmackDown may not be the greatest shows on TV, but at least the outcome of 90% of their televised matches isn't predictable as fuck. Right. 
every week you turn on Dynamite, you see the lineup, and literally nine, nine out of the ten matches, you're like, I know who's fucking winning. Why am I going to watch this? Yeah, I don't care about how great the match quality is. I know who's fucking going over. Predictable squash matches. Yeah. Right. Uh, then we had a brawl with JAS afterwards and whatever. Uh, then there was a promo package for the Owen Hart semifinal matches later that that were coming up later that night. Speaking of matches you knew were predictable, uh, FTR retained the Ring of Honor tag titles over Trent and Rocky Romero. Uh, However, it was no IGT. contest because right. of Cobb and Great O'Connor interfering and beating the shit out of all four of them. Which, number uh, one, they were advertising this as the main event all week. And then they just said, they said oh, fuck, fuck it. you. Right. Yep. And then also, hi, remember when they announced Forbidden Door? Remember the first thing I said was? <laughs> you, meant, you did mention Jeff Cobb and Great Okan. Yes, you did. I said that everyone's expecting Okada and Naito and blah, blah, blah. And what they're going to get is Jeff Cobb and Great Okan and Ravi Eagles and right. probably Will Ospreay and Suzuki. And yeah, so here's my prediction. You're definitely going to get Jay White too. Pro possibly. I don't even know at this point because he's so hit or miss with them. Um well, oh, oh, yeah, actually, you no. Have Jay White for the announcement of the event. No, that's right, because the they're event. they're gonna do they're gonna do the elite versus the Bullet Club. That's right. That's the first thing I said. Um, here's my predictions right now for Forbidden Door. Um, I think they're gonna do Cobb and Ocon versus FTR. I don't, I don't know if they're gonna, gonna involve Rapongi in there. I'm gonna slightly edit what you just said. I don't even think you get Bullet Club. I think you're gonna get, um. I think you're going to get Undisputed Elite versus Bullet yeah. Club. Yeah. Actually, no. No, that's what, 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 the, I, what did we say? Bullet Club and who? Who was it again? Bullet Club versus the Elite. That's what I said. It's going to oh. be Cole and it's oh, going to be, okay. it's going to be, it's going to be Cole, Cole. Red Dragon and the Bucks. Right. Against, against Jay White and fucking the all brothers. the flunkies, El Desperado and the Good Brothers and shit like that. Yeah. Um, like I said, you probably get FTR and Great Ocon ver and uh, versus Great Ocon and Cobb. I don't think Rapongi is going to be part of that. Juice and Robinson. for some reason, oh yeah, Juice Robinson, yeah. And for some reason, I have a feeling we're going to get fucking uh, Buck Fuckle Combat Club versus uh, some form of Suzuki Goon. Possibly because Minoru. Yeah, sure. Um. Fuck was I gonna say? Oh, by the way, uh, congrats to Caprice Coleman for getting a payday. That's the one note I have. Right. Because um, you know, and Bobby Cruz. Oh, Bobby gets a payday every time they have any kind of ring on ring on a title match. Right. But I mean, also, yeah, um, yeah. So the thing is, uh, I, uh, Tony Khan really needs to shut the fuck up about Ring of Honor being its own entity and blah blah blah. blah. Listen, when it doesn't have its own show and you're watering down your only fucking flagship show with Ring of Honor matches. And brings me another question. Where the fuck is Jonathan Gresham? It doesn't matter, bro. It doesn't matter. He's because he's got to push push Samoa Joe and Jay Lethal and and Great Value Khalid on our throats. But he's the Ring of Honor World Champion. Details. Okay. Um. Then we get a Hardy's pre-tape. Who cares? Uh, Swerve beats Starks and Jungle Boy in the three-way. Okay, cool. Um, then we get a Men of the Year pre-tape about how Lambert's getting a new TNT title title belt made for Scorpio Sky, whatever. Because the unveiling on Friday. Yeah, and that, that's I'll wait till we cover Rampage about it before I talk about that. Uh, then we get Thunder Rosa doing a cringy interview with Tony. 
<laughs> Funny. I talked last week about uh, people coming out wearing a face paint. Now Thunder Rosa don't come out with a face paint. Right. Thank you very much. That was my next note. Thank you very much. Um, then we get Velvet Sky backstage with Tony. Ruby Soho interrupts. Velvet has a playbook of how to attack Chris Statlander because Ruby fucking needed it. Whatever. Uh, I, uh, yeah. Uh, then we get Britt Baker beating Tony Storm in the Owen Hart semifinal, which made me want to cry. I knew um, it was happening because I called it the then, whole fucking time. And then we wrap, <laughs> we wrap the show with Joe beating Kyle O'Reilly in the men's semifinal to set up Joe versus Cole at double or nothing. Which was boring as fuck. Yes. Um, Friday Night Rampage. Danielson opens by beating Seidel. Looked okay to me. So well, at least he didn't he break his foot. Friday. Right. Um, then we get a package about Hook and Danhausen because reasons. Sure, we gotta fill an hour somehow, I guess. Then we get okay, this is what I really wanted to hit on. You knew the Hardys weren't booked for the show, you knew they weren't gonna come out and face John Cruz and Taylor Rust in a squash match because you're not gonna put faces versus faces in a squash match. Typically. So when the Hardy music plays, how the fuck are you surprised when it's the Bucks coming out dressed as the Hardys? Right. Fucking goblins. And then, then so, go yeah, ahead. no, no, you go ahead, go ahead, and I'll fill in. So you got fucking Nick dressed as Jeff with the fucking face paint. I don't know what the fuck the design was, but it was face paint, whatever. Mm-hmm. Matt's dressed as fucking, or do I have the names switch? No, I think I'm right. Matt was Matt. It doesn't matter. It's a day that ends in Y. The hardly the 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 fucking the, the Bucks are cosplaying the Hardys. Then there's a fucking curtain, mm-hmm. and they walk backwards to the curtain that's between the entrances, and mm-hmm. it's fucking David Heath, Gangrel. Yeah, because apparently the Bucks are such terrible Hardy cosplayers that they don't realize that when the Hardys were with Gangrel, they didn't do the Hardy Boys entrance. They were the fucking Brood. Brood. But details. Right. Right. If anything, you should have fucking pulled Michael Hayes out from the curtain. Right. Or just go with what you had, which was Brandon Cutler looking kind of sort of like Lita-ish, mm-hmm. I guess. Right. I don't know. Right. Maybe. I guess that was the role he was filling. I don't or know. Or had Cutler dress up as Hayes. Right. Right. Fucking right. Yes. Uh, anyways, Bucks win the match, obviously. Then the Hardys come down and face off with them. And, fuck it. and then Heath lays out the Bucks with them, right? Right, right. Heath does the impaler on one of them, and then the other takes a, a twist of fate and a swanton, and everybody's happy. Whatever. So, like, it was literally, like, fucking the... Uh, it was, like, fucking Brett versus Vince. Like, I know you got paid, so now we're going to turn on him. Like, right. it, 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 stupid. Right. Uh, then we get a Darby pre-tape to challenge Kyle Riley for double nothing because they ruined another fucking match on that card. Yeah, dude, you need 12 matches on a pay-per-view. Fuck off. Uh, then we get Dante Martin beating Max Caster because he had to avenge the loss from the first ever episode of AEW Dark back in March of 2021. <laughs> I shit you not. They showed a clip of that during the intros for the match. The fuck! It's it's Tony Khan showing that he's Booker of the Year and giving a reason for this match. Twelve hours later, 
Um, <laughs> then we, <laughs> then we get it. months later. <laughs> right, thank you. I said the wrong fucking thing. Thank you. Um, then we get a package for Colin Joe. Who cares? Uh, then we get Lambert and Men of the Year in the ring. Lambert presents the new title belt, the Sky, and this is your cue. Okay, I am fucking sick to death of everyone getting their own fucking title belt for the TNT Championship. How it's childish. Lame is it they gave him the fucking Laker colors, like really? oh, because he's from California and he's a Lakers fan. I don't give a fuck. Like that's the dumbest shit ever. Like that's not personalized. That's markized. Like. You- that's just fucking dumb. Thank you. I, I was debating with a basement goblin about this. He's like, well, you know, they do, they do customized side plates for everyone at WWE for the belts, and that gets really expensive for belt collectors. This is better. I'm like, They're dude, side the side plates take two screws to replace, and they're way cheaper, because especially because they're usually on fucking sale, to buy those and to buy a whole new fucking belt every time someone fucking wins it and you have to be a collector like give me a fucking break and if you're an idiot who says that then i suggest you do a fate do yourself a favor uh go do to go to no, well aside from that uh go <laughs> go to the website of a friend of godzilla media belts by dan and go look up how much he charges for his belts and that'll give you a fucking clue seriously <sighs> God almighty. Um, and then during that same segment, they show Frankie Kazarian, Sammy Guevara, and Ty Conti invading American top team headquarters in Florida and breaking open a trophy case to steal three UFC belts. Because, you know, Pretty Deadly didn't just wreck the Diamond Mines training facility on NXT a month ago or anything. And because, you know, we need to commit first degree robbery on our TV shows, apparently. Yeah, with proof. <laughs> with video proof, Yes. You can't just have them show up to the show with the belts. No, you got to show the actual footage of them committing said crime. And you see, that's the funny thing, because like you look at one pretty deadly wreck the diamond mine thing. They were in masks. And yes, eventually pretty deadly showed up in masks and took them off. But there is no causative link that shows that it was them that did it. It is all insinuation, because if anyone were ever take this in a real in in a, in a standpoint of reality, they can say, the probable cause. Listen, just because these guys are wearing ski masks and we were wearing ski masks a month later doesn't specifically mean it was us. But when you have fucking security cambridge of people like, look, we're breaking into your place and wrecking your place. Like, and a fucking witness because you pushed aside the front desk girl to fucking get in there. Exactly. Like all of that is just that's that's terrible storytelling. Lazy. Terrible storytelling. storytelling. Yeah. Not just terrible. It's lazy. <laughs> fucking lazy. And then you get Ruby Soho being Chris Statlander to even further flat, flatten the crowd out. Uh, in the Apparently the crowd was mad. Oh, they were. Oh, they were. Yes, they were. Remember yes, when Ruby was were. was their godsend when she signed there fucking six months ago? Oh, we'll get to that. Don't you fucking worry. Now we get to the thing everyone's been waiting for us to touch on. We Just get to... Well, couple of things. Let's specifically touch on this first. MJ fucking F. Where do I begin? I so, will preface this whole thing by saying I do not fault Max for any of this. So let me set up the MGF 
MGF. MJF fiasco by saying this. MJF and his meet and greet not happening and causing refunds was not the only time this happened over the weekend. Um, Because the person I will put blame on for their fuck up, uh, well, partial, partial, apparently AEW, whatever. Mm-hmm. Actually, no blame on this guy. I'm going to put blame for both on AEW. Mm-hmm. Samoa Joe did not show for his scheduled meet and greet. Right. Apparently, after the fact, it came out, it was not Samoa Joe's fault. AEW had a bad communication issue. It did not give Samoa Joe the right fucking time. <laughs> and that's why he didn't show up. So they fuck up that. Whatever. You give refunds, or you offer them equal trade value to go see somebody else's being greet. Fine. Whatever. But then we get to the whole MJF fiasco. Now, it's been well documented over months of interviews and podcasts and the such that Maxwell Jacob Friedman is essentially publicly negotiating two years in advance for a new contract with AEW or contract elsewhere. Because Tony Khan is a douchebag and won't give him more money. Um, Because here's the way things play out. MJF... And I don't think people really thought of this until it basically came out during the weekend. You ever wonder the kind of money MJF's making versus Punk, Danielson, Keith Lee, probably? I have a pretty close swerve, I'd assume. Andrade. You ever give any thought to that before this weekend happened? I know I have, but I know most fans probably have not. Probably not. So basically, Goblins, let me educate you. Odds are, all the names I just mentioned, or at least most of them, are probably making, I'm going to say, at least double what MJF's making. Oh, way more than that. Obviously, some ridiculously more. Like the Moxleys, the Punks, the Mm -hmm. Danielsons, an absurd amount more than MJF. I like the swerves, the the uh, the Keith Lees. I'd probably say at least double. Andrade, I don't even want to fucking know. I don't really care. Congratulations on your marriage to Charlotte. Can't wait for you to divorce within five years. Anyway, <laughs> um, because it's a flare, and she, mm-hmm. probably, she probably has daddy's genes when it comes to commitment problems. Anyways, um, wow, I fucking wow, I didn't have to go that far. Anyways, wow, that was a little dark. Yeah, well, it's it's true. Um, shit, she almost already left them once. Um, True. It's not often I'm going to say something like this, but MJF basically having a sit-in protest and not going to his meet and greet over the weekend, while shitty for fans, I have no problem with. Um, what I do have a problem with or the people trying to say that he was trying to fly out of Vegas the night before the pay-per-view. Because he may be shitty for a meet-and-greet. He's not going to be shitty about fulfilling a program he's been doing for three months. Because I don't think MJF is that unprofessional that he would just say, fuck you to Wardlow. Because Wardlow's been with him for, what, 
two years, two and a half years. Like this has been building since the time Wardlow came on, basically. Mm-hmm. I don't think he would have. He's not just going to shit on something that's been building for two, two and a half years. He's not going to do that. Yeah. See, I've got a different school of thought on this. Go ahead. So I, um, I don't believe that it was Max's choice to sit out the meet and greet. And Brad Shepard and fucking uh, Meltzer were the ones that released the story about um, him getting a flight out of Vegas. And then Tony Khan actually called in a fucking flight with his name listed on it. Like called, like called in, like booked a flight with tickets in his name and leaked the story to PW Insider. Hold on, hold on, time out. So what I'm saying, if I'm picking up what you're putting down, you're basically saying that Tony Khan went through the rigors of not just telling MJF to stay the fuck in his hotel room, but also went through the rigors of pre-booking airline tickets under his name and MJF's name in order to make it appear that MJF is shoot leaving AEW or shoot pissing all over AEW. For the sake of an angle. Sir, if you want to look in the grand scheme of I'm a billionaire's daddy, how much does it cost to book one coach flight out of Vegas? This is not a confused look towards you. This is a confused look as to what the fuck are we doing here? Because and I, it's it's part of what I told you when I messaged you before the pay-per-view and I said I want to get this all out before anything happens. This is what I believe had happened. What I believe is, yes, because all these stories keep bubbling up about MJF not being happy with his contract because he's not. And Tony Khan wanting to get as many pay-per-view buys as possible. Because Tony Khan thinks that he's Booker of the Year, and by swerving fans, he's going to get pay-per-view buys. Not realizing that you've only been catering to your niche base, and you're not going to get casual fans to tune in at the last minute because you're pulling an angle with people that the casual fan doesn't know who they are. I'm going to back it up a little bit here to, to, to go with what I'm at. MJF is definitely one of the only things AEW has going for them for them ratings wise that has been proven week after week with the breakdown of the ratings every time there's an MJF segment the fan base either grows or at least holds up and after the MJF segments they drop off so there's proof that he is worth more than he's getting paid from what other people have said. And unfortunately some people have had to sign NDAs um, from when AEW was first signing guys. I can tell you that MJF was signed along with that first group of indie talents, along with Janela and Sonny kiss and um, fucking um, uh, Jimmy havoc at the time and fucking people like that, where all of the indie guys were brought in, at between 250k and 500k a year. That's what so high end 
MJF is getting 500k. Uh, Excuse me. <laughs> Every ex WWE guy not named Punk Danielson, blah 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 blah. Because we all know that Moxley and Jericho are getting six million. Um, Punk's getting around ten. Danielson's probably getting around seven or eight. We know that ex WWE guys are getting at least one to two million a year. And MJF really deserves more than what he's getting. And the and this is why WWE has those 90-day recurring uh, clauses in their contracts. So every 90 days, things can be reevaluated. And if you're moving merch, if you're moving ratings, you can get a pay bump. The problem with Tony Khan is he locked people into three-year, five-year contracts with no room for increases in them, which is why he's like, oh, I'll give you more money, but you need to fucking extend your contract for another three years instead of just saying, you know something, I am going to amend this contract while I've got you because it does. It's it's not hard. He just he's being an asshole and chooses not to do it. So anyway, so getting back to this. So so Tony Khan knows that all the dirt sheets have been talking about MJF not being happy. So he says, you know something, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make it. I'm I, I'm going to this is going to be mu- a must see pay-per-view. I'm going to make sure people fucking buy this shit. So, I'm going to say that MJF's not going to show up and I'm going to have him not show up to meet and greet and because half of Twitter is going to go, "Well, he's a heel. He's just being a heel." And the other half of people are going to say, "Oh my god, this is a fucking shoot. This is a fucking shoot." It goes, "And then you know something? You, you, you know something? Not everyone believes fucking Meltzer and fucking Fightful, but everyone believes PW Insider. So I'm going to go book a flight in his name and leak to Mike Johnson that there's a flight going out of Vegas to wherever with this guy's name on it. And then everyone goes, holy shit, this is fucking real because I'm going to play off the biggest news story that's going on with my competitors right now because... I'm an unoriginal fuck knuckle and I think that I can capitalize off this with my own version of it. And plus, you know, cause it's like, you notice how all the fans were like, Sasha and Naomi are making a stand, but MJF's unprofessional. Like it's the, or vice versa, you know, the people would flip it around. And so that's, that's basically what the whole thing was. And MJF did this because he's under contract. He's got to do what the fucking owner of the company says. But in the meantime, he's got to be sitting there going like, like I guarantee he's sitting there going, this ain't right, but I'm doing it. Cause I don't give a fuck if people got refunds. I don't care if you, if you signed up for a fucking meet and greet and got, and, and the diagnose showed and got a refund. Here's the problem. You hold four pay-per-views a year. Well, five now. So you hold four pay-per-views a year. You make a weekend out of it. You have all this shit going on and you try to make it a destination for people because you think every one of yours is WrestleMania. It wouldn't, it's really not because you're still only doing 12,000 seat arenas. But you have people flying in for your shit. It's, it's Vegas. No one lives in Vegas. I mean, I have a friend that lives in Vegas. People don't live in Vegas. So you have people flying into Vegas. You have people that have already spent hundreds of dollars on plane tickets, hotels, rental cars, event tickets, this, that, and the other thing. 
doesn't matter if they got the re- like they are there because they don't know when something like something another meet and greet like this is going to happen. And by doing by, by having him no show this for the sake of a fucking angle is alienating the dwindling fan base you have. That's a giant middle finger to your actual loyal fans. And that's not going to sit well going forward because now every time you try to pull something like this, people are going to go, this is Tony pulling another fucking work and no one's ever going to believe anything you ever do. Pretty sure Herb Abrams pulled shit like this. Just saying. Doesn't shock you. Mm-hmm. I don't understand any of it. No one, no one with a brain does because then, because then, and could because then what, what's, what's the blow off of it? This is your blow off. Literally you take the biggest feud you've had going on your programming, which even like most critics said should have been, should have been either the main event or at least second from the top. And you made it the curtain jerk and you made it a squash match and you buried your company's biggest heel. Yep. They certainly did. They certainly fucking did. Um, which is a good transition into the show itself. I'm going to go with nothing. <laughs> well, first we had the the match on the buy-in. Is that uh, even worth talking about, really? Predictable. Yeah, I'll go with predictable, yeah. Uh, Hook and Danhausen being Tony Nese and uh, Smart Mark, Mark Sterling. Yay. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Nobody. Um... I think it was generous. I'm look. By the way, I'm reading results off of CBS Sports. Mm-hmm. The fact they graded that match as C was generous. I think. <laughs> um, next, we have the opening match of the actual pay per view, <clears throat> which was MJF and Wardlow. So yeah, ten power bombs. Ten. It's fucking overkill. I mean, the six was overkill, or what was it? Five was overkill, and then he gave him the other, the additional five. Um, remind me, who was the person Wardlow faced that he gave a ridiculous number of power bombs to before? I mean, most of his squash matches were about squash, five Most of his bombs. squashes are three to five. Right. I want to say there was one where he did like eight power bombs. Oh! Was that Lance Archer? No! That was the match he lost to Punk before Punk MJF. That's right. Where Punk was able to roll away. So Punk can kick out of seven or eight power bombs, but we're just going to uh-huh. fucking do ten. Yep. 
It's a very Sean Spears like number, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing that made me think, oh, they pre planned 10, didn't they? No, not mm-hmm. probably not. Um, they gave the match a B. I say go fuck yourselves for giving that a B. Yeah, no. Um Young Bucks and Hardys. Now, apparently, our friend, the owner, president, CEO, whatever the fuck you want to call him, the grand poobah of Godzilla Media, Mr. Gaz, was watching this piece of trash show. <laughs> and I'm going to directly quote him from the text he sent me. He said, uh, bear with me as I look it up. Okay. The very first text I get from him last night. I only got two text messages. The first at 8.46 p.m. Quote, Jeff Hardy was hammered during his match tonight. I ask you, think so? He said 100%. To which I responded, uh, I'm not watching. I chose Celtics Heat Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Just, mm-hmm. you know. Twist the knife. Um... Like, if that's the case, I wouldn't blame Jeff because I would drink before my matches now. <laughs> um, right. But, like, still, like, number one, if he was hammered, that just goes to show that even though supposed this supposed drug test that Vince gave him came back clean, maybe it was smart for Vince to fucking, for WWE to tell him to go into rehab because obviously there probably is still something going on there. If it's a work, that's, once again, Tony Khan being stupid and fucking literally taking something that happened in WWE and trying to make it his own because apparently Jeff exited through the crowd after the match. Right. So here's the cover up that I'm seeing in this CBS sports results thread. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the first sentences they put in here is that they say Jeff Hardy's boot appeared to break during the match leaving him to pull off moves like Whisper in the Wind somewhat awkwardly without stable footing. Now, if he stumbled around the ring because he has a busted boot, that's a different story. Take off your boots and work barefoot, dude. Sure. Go pull a Yokozuna. Go ahead. Um, Von Eric's did it for years. Oh, true. Well, not one. Carrie did until the... No, they all did. Carrie did until the motorcycle accident. Carrie worked barefoot, really? Yes, the reason Carrie lost his foot is because he was motorcycling barefoot. Well, I knew about the motor... He, <laughs> he was barefoot during that accident? Yeah. Oh, you fucking idiot. Sorry, I know how to speak ill of the dead, but Jesus yeah. Christ. No, all the, like, all of the Von Erich's sons oh. wrestled barefoot. Even David? Yeah. Okay, um, wow, that's another topic for much another day. Um, Hardy's won, by the way. Okay, sure, whatever. Um, See, the Bucks put them over. The Bucks don't always put themselves over. The Bucks carried the match. That was enough of a credit to them. Well, uh, I don't know if you saw, they already announced the main event for Wednesday. No. Don't tell me they're going to give us another rematch. Oh, it's more than that. Because this is the California show. Oh, God, what? It's the fucking Undisputed Elite versus the Hardys and FDR and I think Darby. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 10-man tag. Fucking whatever. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Um, then we had the TBS title match that nobody cared about. Jade Cargill successfully defends against Anna Jay. 
Um, then the I think the uh, let me see here. Da -da -da. Uh, Stokely Hathaway made his debut during the match, distracting Anna J to allow Cargill to hit her finish for the win. Because we need another ex WWE guy, and let's that, just... we need another manager for her. Well, no, because Mark Sterling wasn't working, so we got to put the black guy with toxic ablation. Ladies and gentlemen, but Tony Khan isn't racist. That was JJ Alexander that said that, not me. We'll see. Remember, remember, I, I was debating with a friend of mine last night. Preface: Black friend who was debating with me the whole time about when Big Swole said that fucking Tony Khan was a racist. He's like, Tony Khan isn't racist, blah blah blah, and then I. Laid out all the shit about Stokely being put with them because they got to put the black guy. And he was just like, that's some racist ass shit. I'm like, you're the one that fucking swore up and down that Big Swole was full of shit when she said Tony Khan was a racist. And he went, touche. So. <laughs> so after the match, Statlander came down to make sure Anna Jay didn't get the shit beat out of her. And then Athena, formerly known as Ember Moon, made her debut to join Anna Jay and Chris Statlander. So now we're going to get a trios match on Wednesday. I guarantee it. Or the on Rampage. The, the beginning of the final sentence of this synopsis. The match was rough, to put it mildly. No shit, Jade Cargill had a match that went rough. <laughs> Next, we had House of Black versus Death Triangle. The House of Black. Julia the Hart is a new member of House of Black. The House of Black one. Uh, as Julia Hart came out and spit mist into Pac's eyes to set him up for... Black's finish. How sad is it that the three monster heels who are all who all tower over the guys they're facing still need a seventy-five pound, five foot tall girl to interfere to help them win? She's seventy-five pounds, maybe soaking wet. Maybe eighty-five. Yeah, it's, it's, that's what I'm saying. It's Julia Hart, Hart right. to Black, because because that's what everyone was clamoring for, don't you know? Right. Everyone's everyone's just been begging for that ever since that fucking segment two weeks ago. You're right. You're right. <laughs> then we get the two. <laughs> See how much thought I put into that. Um, well, you know they had to add a chick because the Temple of Purple added a chick. Oh man, I have nothing to say to that. Um, <laughs> I had to think about what the fuck Temple of Purple was, and then I remembered. Um. So then we get, oh God, we get the two Owen Hart tournament final matches. Adam Cole beats Samoa Joe. Britt Baker beats beats Ruby Soho. Um, yeah. Every week, I have said it every week. No one listened. You called it. Yeah. Prom King did. and Queen. This bullshit. Yep. You. Why the fuck? Do they need a trophy and pink belts? I don't know, man. I, I don't know. But I will oh, tell you oh. this. Go ahead. Now I, can oh, go ahead. now I can use this though. So uh yeah, um um yeah, uh how do I uh, oh listen, that's how that's how I do it. Um I just wanted to uh, reiterate because um, Martha Hart was in the ring and wanted to thank AEW and thank the dark side of the ring guys for everything they've done to make this possible. 
is how communities, this is how people, society remembers him. Oh, sorry. Next Other one. than that, he was. Sorry, my bad. It's the next one. You played the wrong clip. This is how bad. communities, this is. Did a bit back, back. Come on, JJ, work your technology because I have the Martha Hart picture on the screen. Don't you want to look at Martha Hart and how ridiculous she looked? Don't you want to look at it? Look at it. <laughs> look at it, you bum. Stop looking at your phone. I can see I'm it. trying to pull it up. I can see this how communities. This That's not clip. the one. That's still the same clip. Come on. I know. Look at her. Look at her. She looks like she's going to the Kentucky Derby. Look at her. I fucking hate Martha Hart. Look at her. Jackass. They're still not looking. They're still not looking. I fucking hate Martha Hart. Of course. Well, okay. You know something, but I can still use this one because I just I want to use this one first because this was Oge Hart from fucking Dark Side of the Ring. This is how communities, this is how people, society remembers him. And that's how we want it to be done. Yeah, he was a wrestler, but other than that, he was bigger than that. That was just part of what he was. Well, I wish everyone a Merry Christmas. So we're not supposed to remember him as a wrestler. We're supposed to remember him as more than a wrestler, apparently. Yes. And then... I need to pull up the other one. Let me just uh, da, 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 this look is... at her. Look no. at her. No. Fucking look. No. You don't have a choice. You're not going to not look at your screen the rest of the show. Fucking look. <laughs> Those belts look like the NXT UK belts almost. By the way. <laughs> Except with pink and black straps. The fuck? Files. There we go. Do you see the, the look of these things? Well, you're not looking at the picture yet, so you can't fucking see it. Look at yes, I'm, I see them. Yes. They, they, what the fuck? What trophy case is that going to fit into their house? And none of them. It doesn't matter. Wait, I think it's just going to sit in a storage bin for collect dust. And by the way, nice to see them. We can't play this. Oh, fuck you. Goddamn voice recorder fucking says it can't play the file. That's bullshit. I can't can't imagine why they only made one cup instead of two. Right. But it was basically his daughter saying, if it weren't for wrestling, my dad would be still alive. I hate everything about my dad being involved in wrestling. My dad would have done so many other things. Wrestling is what killed him. Blah, 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 blah. We hate wrestling. But Athena was at Dynamite three weeks ago. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Look at her. And it was basically, it was just the whole thing. What the, like, wh- wh- why the fuck is Martha Hart dressed like it's the fucking Hunger Games? I told you she was going to the Kentucky Derby and got lost. No, dude, that's Hunger Games. That's not even Kentucky Derby. That's, she's fucking Effie Trinket right there and shit. Like, that, that's some bullshit. No, like, fuck it, because it was basically, it was, you know, I basically just wanted to drive home the thing that we said every week, and that is that she never fucking said, I don't want my, I don't want to have anything to do with, WWE ever again. She said, I don't want to be associated with wrestling ever again. And here she is, looking like Hunger Games, bitch. Giving out pink belts. Unbelievable. <sighs> then we get uh, Men of the Year and Paige Van Zant beating Sammy, Frankie, and Ty. Because we needed that match. I just, I just love the fact that Sammy kicked Ty in the face because that's what's going to happen in real life in six months when he kicks him to the curb. Mm-hmm. Um, but, 
But but you see, but they added a stipulation to that match, so it had a right to be on the pay per view. Right. So if Men of the Year and Paige Van Zant won, it meant that Frankie and Sammy never got a shot to get the TNT title while Scorpio Sky had the belt. Right. Like number one, like Frankie Kazarian was ever gonna sniff another title match on TV. Nope. Like, dude, is that literally besides the past two weeks has not been on AEW TV in a fucking year. And fucking Sammy Guevara is nobody cares. Then we got Kyle O'Reilly and Darby Allen, which nobody really cared about, but sure. Um, O'Reilly won. So uh, I, I'd like to. When's the last time Darby? Well, oh no, so, no I was going to say, but D- Darby won. D- Darby won. He beat Jeff fucking, Hardy in the qualifier, and he won the stupid coffin match. So yeah, so right. Because I was just like, what, what, what? This did nothing for either guy, really. No, not it was li- it was literally like, oh, uh, a filler know, match j- that didn't. Well, I was putting a show that didn't need a filler match. Right. It was basically, you know, Japan does round robin matches and shit during Super Juniors. So let's let's do the same thing with guys that got knocked out in the Owen tournament. Basically, nobody cared. Uh, then we got the women's world title match: Thunder Rosa successfully defended against Serena Deeb. Which sure. Whatever, good for them. They're both solid workers. I'm not going to fault either of them, but this barely had any buildup. And uh, like now, where do you go? Where do you go? Before we get into the back quarter of this pay per view, I want to declare an official loser from this past week. Everyone that paid for this pay per view. <laughs> no comment. Um. <laughs> It's actually losers. I'd like to declare the entire women's division of AEW the losers of AEW this past exactly. week. Because you got the most predictable person to win the Owen Hart tournament. Mm-hmm. And as much as I respect the fuck out of their technical abilities, Everything about D versus Rosa just fell flat to me when it came to promoting the match. Right. And you now have a division that's headed by a woman who just wrestled her first match since becoming women's world champion in two and a half months. Second. Remember, she defended against Nyla on Battle of the Belts. Ooh. Right. All right. Her second match, right, in two and a half months, and like that's not any fault of her own. It's not her fault that the fucking bookers there don't know how to fucking do shit. Oh, we're not done. You just had a tournament that really should have been about the new blood of your company, won by the overbearing indie darling asshole that was signed since day one of the company being established in Britt Baker. And I'm sorry, but let me let me interject here. There should have never been a women's Owen Hart tournament. There's not a men's May Young Classic. There's not a women's cruiserweight classic. You're bringing this up after the fact. You should have said this when they made the fucking thing in March. But I you're must right. have forgotten I, to say it that day. But I, <laughs> get, I get what you're saying. And then we top it off with the flattest. How should I put this? 
as much as I like the aura being projected by Velvet, Kiera, and Jade, you have the worst in-ring talented of the three as your undefeated TBS champion uh-huh. that hasn't faced any legitimate contention for the belt yep. of any kind mm-hmm. because you keep giving her people that are just as badly skilled as like Ty Conti, Anna Jay, and Marina Shafir. So now you're not only you're not only devaluing the belt the person holding it, you're devaluing the belt the person that's holding it and the people she's defending it against. Yep. And I I would I I'm I really want I'm really wondering right now. And now you're gonna set up by the way is this just a one up, and done you're setting up Ember Moon to now job out to Jade Cargill. Oh obviously but here's what I'm also wondering is, is this going to be a one and done for Brett and Cole? Or are these belts just going to go in their display cases? Or are these going to get defended? One and done. There's no fucking way they get defended. You never fucking know with these people. They make belts for the sake of making belts. They're not going to fucking defend them. Guaranteed. <laughs> Guaranteed. If either one of them defend, because... They're not going to treat the own heart belts like the FTW belt. There, I said it. Mm-hmm. They're not. The, the value of those belts is the face value of the belts. Yeah. Plus whatever sentimental value Adam or Britt may have for them. Otherwise, they're leather and metal. Like, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. They're, to the actual business of wrestling, they don't mean jack shit. Oh, fuck. There's something I didn't send you last night. Well, go ahead and send it as I recap the last three matches on the card. Sent. Uh, Your discretion whether you want to read that out loud or not. Anarchy in the arena. We really had to put the Jericho Appreciation Society over in this one. Like, really? Really? Jesus fucking Christ, JJ. (laughs) Oh my god. You're, you're fucking horrible. I didn't write it. You were so fucking horrible. I, I didn't you write it. it. I know you didn't write it, but I really didn't need to see that because I may or may not have thought of that a few weeks ago. Um, um, Especially in that outfit. Stop. With the ass forever in your favor. I really shouldn't laugh, but you're horrible. <laughs> um, do we really need to put Jericho and his boys over here? Did that really need to happen? Yeah, because the baby faces are going to get their come up and stir in blood and guts when Jericho does a bump into cardboard boxes again. I'm so glad I didn't see this match. I really am. According to everyone, this has been the most hardcore match that's been seen on TV since FMW. Why? Sure Eddie Kingston poured a half can of gasoline on Chris Jericho. Yeah, gasoline. And then Danielson stopped him from letting Jericho on fire. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, okay. Just dumb shit. Uh, then we get. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention. Uh, for those of you who feel sorry for Serena Deeb, you can now get a cameo from her for seventy-five dollars. Um. That's what I was looking up cameo for earlier. Now you know. Full circle with the show prep. Um, I got some full circle for you. Oh, God, what? You remember when Serena Deeb had to get fucking reprimanded on WWE TV because she was seen at a bar during the Straight Edge Society segment? 
Oh boy. Do you remember yeah. how they reenacted that segment for security cam footage to go on TV? Yeah. You know who was sitting next to her at the bar during that security cam footage? You. Adam Cole. <laughs> Fuck him. Um, <laughs> and I get the triple threat for the tag team titles. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Successfully defend their titles. Predictable as fuck. Right. We saw that coming. <sighs> then there's this. <laughs> we saw it coming. So let me set up the end of the match real quick. Apparently we had a ref bump. Page grabs, Page grabs the title belt. Looks to hit Punk with it. Hesitates. Ends up laying the belt down and not going to hit Punk with it. Decides to go and try and hit a buckshot Larry to get on Punk. Because Punk had already kicked out of the first one. Punk counters Page's... Buckshot Lariat attempt into the GTS. Ref comes to terms by that time, counts the three, and Punk wins the belt. Punk wins. Punk wins. Punk wins. I so declare now- another loser for the night. <laughs> and again, it's a group of losers. I like to declare every AEW male talent that never worked for WWE as official losers on the evening. Because if you're not noticing a trend, aside from two of the guys that helped create the company and Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, every World Heavyweight Champion so far is an ex-WWE talent. You read my fucking mind because I was actually going to cover this at one point during the show. And you know who's going to eventually challenge for that title? Probably Brian Danielson. He's probably your next champion if it doesn't go to MJF at some point. And it's going to be another ex-WWE guy. Remember, remember what I said at the beginning of this year? Enlighten me. How I said by the I said it's not going to be it's not going to be at double or nothing. It's probably going to be the September pay per view. I said, we're going to see a three-way for the AEW title. It's going to be Punk, Danielson, and Omega. God, I hope not. God, I fucking hope not. I really, really fucking hope not. You know Omega's showing up on TV in the next week or so. Is it sad I'm kind of looking forward to that? Why? Because it'll break up the monotony of the AEW TV product that I've been seeing for six weeks. How? I'll take watching Omega for two minutes over anything with CM Punk right now. Hey, no, Sorry. Thank you. Like, Kenny Omega's a piece of shit. No, thanks. <laughs> I, I just, I've seen enough Page and Punk and Daniels. I've, it, it, AEW Dynamite has been same song, fifth verse the last five weeks. Well, I, now you're, you know what you're going to get now? You're going to get Page 
recycling the downward spiral fucking story of him starting to drink again and questioning his morals that happened after him and fucking Omega lost the tag belts. Good. Go to NXT. <laughs> like, get the fuck out. While you're still somewhat young, get the fuck out. You won't. But here's what the thing. Lo- like- no, no. Let me. I have to ask this question. What fucking loyalty does he have at this point? Nobody in that company has shown any loyalty to him whatsoever. He happened to win the belt because it was the niche thing to do to please the fan base. What the fuck does he have left there? Nothing. Fucking leave. Tony Khan will offer him fucking even more money to stay because go go home or just go he's to an indie darling. Take I don't even think Vince will fucking him. sign him. At least go to a tryout. Fucking kick the tires on it. Do something. Just fucking get out of there. If you're just going on hiatus for a little bit, just fucking go away. I'm pretty sure he was one of the guys that signed a five-year contract when the company first started, so he's still got time left. But, and just touching touching upon the thing that you just said about the champions, I want to say that I want you to look at the lineage of the AW heavyweight title, the lineage of the TNT title, and the lineage of the tag team titles. Every single title has either been held by an XWWE talent or someone who is best friends with the EVPs. You Nothing has ever changed. Luchasaurus best friends with EVPs. Oh, dude, Jungle Boy! Like it's been known for years that Jungle Boy and the Bucks are like fucking this. Oh, that's unfortunate. Like Jungle Boy was like their fucking like was like he carried their fucking bags in PWG. His father would be disappointed. Oh yeah. Wasn't Luchasaurus an NXT flunky, by the way, too? He got kicked. He was never really on TV in NXT. He he got he brought into the PC, PC and got kicked out, and then he was in Lucha Underground, which is okay. where... So I should yeah. have said he was a PC flunky, not NXT. Yeah, he was a PC flunky, and then he was in Lucha Underground. But yeah, it's it's... <laughs> It's only going to get worse from here on out, dude. It's it like, and it's like I said to you, I said, watch, and this is going to be me, me, me being generous. Dynamite is going to open up with, I'll even say 1.1 million viewers. It'll That's open right. with 1.1 million and it will slowly dwindle down to 650 K by the end. Remember that popular clip that's going around of MJF being security at NXT and Yep. Joe with Samoa Joe. Yep. The wall. Yep. That's essentially what CM Punk just did to MJF the last three months. Yep. The moment he went over on MJF mm-hmm. was the moment he shoved MJF against the proverbial wall and said, my turn, bitch, not yours, yep. and went and got the AEW world title. Yep. Like that. How I bring things full circle. Yeah. Like this. that company needs a commanding heel champion. Jericho was not a commanding heel champion. Kenny Omega was not a commanding heel champion. MJF could be, but they have dropped the ball continually. Kenny Omega was a end of pandemic transitional heel champion. Exactly, and it We're literally. Nice. And Jericho, honestly, Jericho Kenny o- was heel champion in. How should I put this? He was heel champion in name and execution, but the fan base never bought him as a heel because he was their big. 
He was their lead guy. He right. was the guy leading the charge when they got their TV contract. Jericho was heel champion to give to give the company name recognition. He was heel champion in name, not in stature. Right. Omega Omega was champion because he had the book. Like <laughs> And uh what's his face? The fucking wannabe Howard Stern looking motherfucker. Um Callus? Yeah, Don Callus, thank you. Yeah. All right, maybe he's not quite Howard Stern looking. He's close though. Yeah. Um yeah. I, I like Don Don Callis was more the heel than Kenny Omega ever was. Yeah. Omega dressed like a heel. That's about it. Right. But literally, and that whole thing was just that that was basically Tony Khan swinging his fucking pay, uh, his checkbook around to give Kenny what he wanted because that was Kenny doing the whole fucking I got the belt in AAA and I got the belt in Impact and no one fucking cared. And the only reason they did it is because there were no crowds at the time. So he was like, oh, let me let him have this little vanity project right now to keep him happy. But can, are we going are we going to talk about the media scrum? We'll get to that in one second because it's one other thing I didn't cover from the show. Okay. I didn't cover because it, it wasn't listed in the CBS results, but I know what happened. Okay. So there was a vignette during the show. Yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, no, sorry. It, it, I know you're chewing it up. Hold on. Play. Yeah. There was a vignette during the show. Mm-hmm. With Jose and Andrade El Idolo. Oh, yeah. Let's, in a let's... conference room. Speaking oh, of throwing around the paper, the checkbook. In a conference room, clearly pre-taped. We'll put that out there because Andrade was getting married Saturday night and drunk off his ass. Mm-hmm. Anyways, to the point where they had a fucking tequila slide for Charlotte and Andrade to drink out of at the mm-hmm. fucking reception. Yep. That was quite the clip. I, I, never mind. Don't say that, Brian. Oh, don't fucking say that. Anyways, I really wanted to say something about Never mind. I'll I'll say off the air. Okay. Um, bad imagery. Um, so Andrade asks Jose if he has the contract. I don't know what the fuck that means. Jose says, yeah, whatever. Then there's a knock on the door. He tells Jose to answer it. He opens the door. Who the fuck walks in? Rude. The Andrade family office is over. Losen Gobernables now lives in AEW with Roosh signing to All Elite Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Now, I can tell you why they did this. Can I give you my hope for this? I sure. Go ahead, and then I'm going to tell you why it's not going to happen. But go ahead. <laughs> I know the division is a clusterfuck to begin with. Uh huh. But can we just have Christian turn on Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus already <laughs> and help Andrade and Roosh win the tag titles? And they'll tell you why this is my wish. Again, like your world title, the Young Bucks, they were champions. They were heel champions in name, not so much in stature, really, because they're internet darlings. They were still getting cheers. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, as a face tag team winning the titles... Let's just say they don't really do the job. Mm-hmm. Um, what other champions have we had? Frankie and Scorpio. Who can't team anymore. They were the first champions. 
best buddies of the EVPs. They were SCU were the first tag champions. SCU were the first tag champions. Yes. And then they, they dropped them to Kenny and a page, right. right? Yeah. They, okay. they referenced that. They actually referenced them being the first champions before the TNT match between the two. That's right. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Um, again, Kenny and page EVP, butt buddies, Uh huh. like, are you getting the trend here? Mm-hmm. As much as it would suck for an ex WWE WWE guy to be a champion there, another ex WWE guy to be a champion there. If you use these guys properly, and I know that's a fucking stretch for AEW, I know. <laughs> I know. I fucking know you're gonna do that. I knew you're gonna fucking react like that. <laughs> but if you let Andrade and Roosh be Andrade and Roosh. They could fill that niche they haven't had yet. Like, Andrade is just a pure asshole, so that's natural for him. That's fine. Roosh looks like he could be a natural asshole, and I'm sure being Andrade, that would rub off on him automatically. Like, you're being given something on a silver platter here, Tony. I know I'm going to ask you to don't not fuck it up, but you're going to fuck it up, but don't fuck it up. But it's right there in front of you. You have a chance of doing something logical and correct with your tag team division for the first time ever. Fucking do it. Go ahead, laugh and say it's not going to happen and tell me why. Now you want to know what's really going to happen? They're going to face the house of black. Oh no 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 that that no no oh god even worse oh yes very much worse so they just brought in Rouge and they officially and they they officially acknowledge Los Ingernobles yeah that does two things number one you've got him as heels which means Nido ain't fucking showing up for Forbidden Door no shit we knew that right but the thing is. Basement goblins are too stupid to realize they just pulled that because Nido is one of the company's biggest baby faces and he is not going to show up to be part of that fuckery. So you know what we're going to get now? We're going to get watered down Los Ingernables versus either the Hardys or Penta and Phoenix at Forbidden Door. And then Roosh is going to disappear. Until... Until the quote-unquote Ring of Honor reboot actually happens, which we know will never happen. First of all, what's wrong with those two facing Penta and Ray? Because we've seen it. Where? I, we've seen Andrade versus fucking Penta and Phoenix for to fucking done to death in AEW for the past year. Wasn't Andrade fucking feuding with them before fucking House of Black came along? I don't recall. He might have faced yeah. Penta once. He might have faced Penta once. I don't recall him ever facing Ray. I'm pretty sure, like, it was fucking Andrade. It, yeah, Andrade was Andrade was giving shit with Death Triangle for fucking ever, but like Pot kept disappearing because of COVID and shit. He kept giving them shit because he wanted to sign them and never did. 
Right, faced, but still, uh, that's he faced what Penta. I, I think he faced Penta, but I don't remember right. facing anyone else. But basically, that's what I'm saying is Tony is just going to rehash either that loose end or the loose end with Matt Hardy to have a match on Forbidden Door, and then that's the last you're going to fucking see a Roosh, and that's the last you're going to see them as a fucking tag team. Actually, no, correction. I think he faced Puck, and he never faced the other two. Okay, yeah, but still, you, you get my drift. Okay. You're not gonna get this long ass run of Roosh and fucking and, and Andrade really like working Roosh with your one and done. Yes. I don't think one and done. I think he's gonna have a couple of matches leading up to Forbidden Door. Then they're gonna have the match at Forbidden Door, and then he's gonna do a couple of matches match on really Dark. Matters, whatever he does at Forbidden Door. Let's they're gonna have a couple of matches on Dark, and then you're gonna hear that he's contracted to Ring of Honor, and we're waiting for Ring of Honor to have a TV show. Like like Jonathan Gresham. I don't completely agree with that, but okay. <laughs> um, does that cover all the stupidity? Can we now devote ourselves to professionals for the last half hour? Well, we got to talk about, like I said, the media scrum. Oh, fuck me. I forgot. So, JJ's going to play a, a clip for about a minute. It's about 55 seconds, a minute, something like that. So imagine the whole time Tony Khan is sitting up on a stage behind a table. Dude. And to his right, camera left basically, is CM Punk with the newly acquired AEW world title. And CM Punk is basically the whole time going from emotionless on his face to look looking at kind of side-eyeing Tony as in what the fuck is this guy saying? Yeah. Um, go ahead and play the clip. Go ahead dude, and play just, the... I just want to say, like, before, like, the amount, like, dude, lay off the cocaine, because this is fucking obvious, but no, seriously, I want to, like, I've listened to this numerous times, what the fuck is he talking about? I don't know. This is a huge thing from the first dance, the biggest rampage draw in the history of that show, uh, the matches, he carried the Friday Night War, which, by the way, is a matter of record in fucking court in the state of California, that we won the Friday Night War, just ask Jerry McDivitt, because he fucking wrote it. Hey. This guy won it, versus Matt Seidel, who's a great wrestler, he had another goddamn great match on right, Friday Night. This fucking guy, he fucking did the Friday Night War, he did the first dance, he's done the record double or nothing, he did the record all out in his debut, he, did a, he was a big part of a record full gear, a great match with Eddie Kingston, and fucking, bunch of, he wrestled a bunch of young guys, a bunch of veterans in between there, the Will Hobbs, Daniel Garcia, goddammit, and then he showed up, uh, did the biggest program in terms of everything, TV, box, ever with MJF. And then he did the goddamn main event here. He's the biggest part of financial success in Let's the history of this company. Go. Let's fucking go. All right. So real quick before you chime in, JJ. Uh-huh. Number one, I know what he's doing there. He's trying to pump up the fact. Or is, actually, no, correction. He's trying to pump up the reasoning behind booking Punk to become the new champion. That's exactly what the fuck that is. That's okay. number one. Number two, what fucking Friday Night War? Right? The only thing I can think of, and there was that one episode of Rampage where a half hour of it aired at the same time as SmackDown. When SmackDown was on Fox Sports 1, because it was moved because of, I believe it was an NFL game. But still, the entire 
the entire argument that they were leading into prior to that was that there was a women's match on during that segment. And over on WWE, there was the Roman Reigns contract signing against Finn Balor. So number one, no, there wasn't a punk match during that because you've been touting for months that it was a women's match that beat Roman Reigns in the ratings. Number two, no, it didn't. Because even though SmackDown was still on Fox Sports 1, it still drew higher than Rampage that night. You're clinging to the 18 of 49 key demo bullshit, which does not fucking count. Right. Number three, that was literally the only time it happened. So that is not a war. And the only person that was treating it as a war was Tony Khan. Next fucking thing is uh, it's. Yes, he drew the highest number for Rampage ever. Guess what? That number was still 1.2 million, which is nowhere near what SmackDown draws on Friday nights. It's nowhere near what Raw draws on Monday nights. And once again, key demo does not fucking count. Total viewers counts. And 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 to say that he fucking he the, the the MJF program broke records ever. What records? You didn't. It didn't draw you any more that you you that during that entire feud, Dynamite never hit a million viewers. Uh, once again, key demo doesn't count. I will keep fucking saying it. Uh, you pay, you can't count pay per view numbers when Vince hasn't had pay per views in years mm-hmm. because Vince is making money hand over fist working with Peacock. Whereas you're struggling to get people to buy your fucking pay-per-views and then people can't even fucking watch them on a regular ass fucking cable provider. They have to watch them through fucking Bleacher Report where the feed keeps cutting out, which is what everyone was bitching about last night. Yep. I would like to know how the fuck he knew because he said uh, Double or Nothing was like the highest grossing pay-per-view ever, which number one, it's a media scrum that's 10 minutes after the pay-per-view just ended. You don't have those numbers yet. And just he's just he's coked out of his fucking mind. And I'm sorry, it's a media scrum. This is professional fucking press that are there, and you're just dropping f bombs like you're me on a podcast. You can't fucking do that. I like to test you real quick. Okay. What was the highest? Num- what what AEW pay-per-view has driven the most pay-per-view buys in the company history and how many buys did it do? I know that it was not double or nothing because I remember talking last week and saying that has usually been the lowest or second lowest drawing pay-per-view of the year. Correct. I'm almost sure it is all out. And I think it was the first all out. And I believe it was like a hundred, uh, like 200,000. If that, uh, your guess on the number of buys is pretty close. Mm-hmm. Uh, the event, correct. Not the year, though. Okay. It was all out from last year. Okay. 205,000. Thank you. And by the way, double or nothing uh, over the three previous years, because we don't have the number yet for last night. Right. Uh, 2019, 98,000. 2020, 105,000. Last year, 115,000. Right. And it's the second high. It's usually, well, last year, it was the lowest number of pay-per-view buys for all 2021 for them between their four pay-per-view shows. Yeah. And it was 
but it was the second. It had the second most buys in 19 and 20, but the lowest out of the four in what 2021. Oh, okay. Which was weird. Um, do I have a number from Revolution? Yeah. Revolution is Rev- usually the lowest. Revolution this year drew in about 160K. Right. So, and this is a preference. Right. And so, like, you need to think about that as far as, as far as translation of TV viewers to buy rates goes. You're not drawing a million viewers on cable TV. I won't say free TV, but you're not drawing a million viewers on cable TV and you're drawing 20% at best of those viewers when it comes to pay-per-views. And now you and now they're throwing it like I said because everyone's like, "Oh, well they only have four pay-per-views a year and that's so much better than WWE." But the thing is WWE can give premium live events once a month because you're paying 10 bucks a month for it on a service where there's a whole bunch of other shit. Right. AEW is trying to nail you for 50 bucks for their fucking pay-per-views of which all look like glorified episodes of Dynamite. And then, because I I loved how the first two years people were like, well, it's only four times a year, so it's worth it. And then now this year people are like, damn, that's fucking getting expensive. And now they want to throw on a fifth. Yeah, with (laughs) Forbidden Door, yeah. Um, All right. So that puts a bow on AEW. Thank God. Um, uh, script change here. Although okay. there was no fucking script, but I'm going to say it anyways. Um, <laughs> we're just going to fucking skip WWE TV because honestly, there wasn't a whole fucking lot to take away from it. Really? Ass bitch um, got injured. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I do want to bring up quick, though. Um, the site yeah, change for Money in the Bank. Um, so WWE figured out that putting one of your non-big three pay-per-views in a stadium probably not a good idea. Um, not counting obviously when they go to fucking Cardiff in September. That right. they haven't been to Europe for a pay-per-view since fucking '92. Let's just right. okay. Um, but trying to put Money in the Bank in Allegiant Stadium probably not a good idea. So they've gone ahead and decided to do this. Uh, they are putting it in an MGM Grand Garden Arena, which, by the way, is the same fucking arena they just had Double or Nothing in last night. And uh, they offered full refunds to people who already had tickets to Legion Stadium and first preference for seating for tickets at MGM Grand Garden Arena when mm-hmm. they went on sale... Uh, there's no data on this particular poster, but when they do go on sale, if they're not on sale already, whoever had tickets to Allegiant for the show are getting first preference to tickets at MGM Grand Garden. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no number that's ever been released about how many tickets were already sold. I'm assuming not very many. Oh, no, they, um, they released the numbers. So why did they switch? So here's basically – so. The way because the way they had Allegiant Stadium set up, it wasn't going to be a full stadium show. They were going to be cutting it. They were going to be cutting Allegiant like a third off of it. And so capacity would have been about 50 K. It would. uh, I think that I think the cap was going to be 30 to 35. All right. So they were cutting in half basically. Okay. Yeah. And as of the time when they decided to do the switch, there were still about nine to 10,000 tickets still available. 
So it wasn't like it was this giant bust. It just it wasn't doing as well. They had like they had aspirations. Like let you me can't... let me let me put it this way, okay? Uh-huh. Stop fucking comparing this to the WrestleMania Seven switch. Big difference. Stop it. Big, Big difference fucking difference. For numerous reasons. You're you're talking about them trying to fill a hundred thousand seat arena during the fucking Gulf War when there's already fucking threats of attacks on the U.S. to fucking this. No, stop the shit. Right. They switched it for mostly for safety reasons back in 91. Fuck off. Well, I mean, Go that's ahead. that's a here nor there. And that's just, let's just leave that out the door because God knows it's a conversation that every fucking analyst has had that we don't need to. Right. Um, but it's it's not like it was this huge bust. They have already sold over 16,000 tickets to the event. Uh, the MGM Grand with a WWE setup, not a fucking AEW setup, I think holds 20,000 20, people or so. Right. So you practically already had sold a sold out MGM Grand Garden. Exactly. There's there's going to be there's going to be still some tickets that go on sale. Obviously, obviously, people already have tickets to go like and it's going to be it's going to be still be in Vegas. They'll obviously switch over. I, I don't see that many people asking for refunds if they've already booked their flights and shit. Like, yes, would it have been nice to have seen money in the bank in a giant stadium? Sure. But people if people were already planning on fucking going to Vegas for money in the bank, they were planning on going to Vegas for money in the bank. So changing the venue isn't that bad. Um, everyone that thinks that, that claims that this is the this is going to be the nail in the coffin for WWE, you're fucking stupid. Uh, I, I was talking about this over the weekend with people. Like it's it's utterly fucking ridiculous. Whereas SummerSlam and Cardiff are both almost at sellout status already. So okay, guess what? One of the three stadium shows they planned didn't go as planned the other two were almost fucking sold out still and this is a this is the we're coming off of wrestlemania there where they did two nights and they sold out almost sold out both nights with over fucking seventy five thousand people a night like the company is still doing well this is this is a hiccup at most and you're talking you're also talking about a hiccup of a pay-per-view where they so far what has been announced is roman's not going to be there which means you know that there's not going to be a cash in the same night because uh-huh. obviously they're also toying with that stupid ass fucking idea of having Maybe the guy the hold on to the briefcase till mania, right? Which God knows because the other thing is you're putting Cody front and center as your face for this poster, which is another reason sales hasn't been high because that's what I've been saying. Cody's a mid Carter at best, and they're still learning that. Um, well, he's front and center as far as the commercial for it has been concerned. He's not front and center on the poster. He's front and yeah, center he for the Hell in a, he's front and center for the Hell in a Cell poster. He's just yeah. on the Money in the Bank poster. I wouldn't say he's front and center, but go ahead. Well, I mean, still, like they he, they've been putting him out there too much already. And then also, um, you need to realize. I, I think the plan that Nick Khan was hoping for, which we don't know if it would have happened or not, is we obviously know that John Cena is showing up within the next week or so. Because it was already stated that he's coming back to WWE for the summer starting in June. I think what Nick Khan was planning was, listen, we may not have sold all the seats yet, but the moment we announce John Cena, those extra nine, no, 9,000 seats will go. And Vince probably said, you know something? Let's just not take that risk. Let's have a, let's have an aesthetically pleasing looking show. And we'll get back to this. Uh, we'll get back to this eventually. I kind of speaking of aesthetics, that actually transitioned me perfectly to my question. Mm-hmm. How logistically feasible is it to hang a fucking briefcase from a stadium roof versus an MGM Grand Garden? 
It wouldn't be a stadium roof. It would be the canopy like they do. Like, like, like the, first, the first few times they did money in the bank at Mania in a stadium. That's one way to cut the crowd off. Okay, good. Um, all right, well, good. We're not going to have a canopy now. They'll fuck up, won't fuck up the camera angles anymore. Right. Um, all right. So we're actually, gonna, I'm just going to gloss over TV. We're not going to completely omit it because there are a few relevant things that actually did happen. Um, Raw, mm-hmm. the opening promo by Riddle referred to Orton. So the reports kind of sort of coming out is Orton is exploring potential surgery. Yeah, which kind of, uh, it's kind of weird because like I'm like I remember I was saying just two weeks ago like Randy's white hot right now they're probably gonna put him in with Roman at one of these shows right uh, apparently so, not now yeah that kind of caught things off guard um, I don't have an official word yet on um I saw something seen. about him talking to neurosurgeons yeah I know he was talking to a surgeon I, that's really all I know um so we'll see what happens going forward I want to say it's something. Back related is what I'm hearing. Ugh. I could be wrong, but that's what I'm hearing. Um, can we stop with getting Jerry Lawler involved in shit yeah. in ring anymore? I know he didn't get touched by Veer Mahan, but just the threat of that, like, yeah, cringe. Can we stop with that shit, please? Uh huh. Um, <laughs> what else? Um, why are we giving Bobby Lashley the narcissist Lex Luger stage when he does his entrance now? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, obviously there's no mirrors, but I mean, you get the point. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? I don't know. It looks stupid. I'm sorry. Um, MVP ended up beating Lashley, by the way, by countout. So he got to name a stipulation for Lashley versus Omos and Hell in a Cell, which I'll touch on when we go over the card for this weekend. <sighs> Uh, and then the main event of Raw had Becky pin Asuka, so now it's a triple threat for the Raw Women's title at Hell in the Cell. Yay. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, did you see the dude front row before one of the matches that had a Kelly Kelly for the Hall of Fame t-shirt on? Oh, God, no. You didn't see that? No. I thought it was hilarious. That was fucking funny. Um, NXT, any notes of worthwhile? No. Uh Stacks and two dimes look like doppelgangers of Deuce and Domino, except worse. Except did half their were, size. Did you see what the fuck they were wearing for yeah. their fucking ring gear? Yeah, except they're fucking half their size. That that's my point. <laughs> um poor Wesley. I think we all agree on that. Yeah, like it's what are they doing with this kid? Seriously. So oh, okay. So let, let's do Bruce Pritchard logic here. So Nikita gets hurt. The kid ever faced Alan Henley in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. What would make sense? Oh, yeah. Let's take the Barbie-looking bitch who was in the tournament to begin with and put her in the semifinal and yep. then eventually the final by having her beat Fallon Henley. Yep. What? Why? Because this is Bruce Pritchard not knowing how to book on the fly and he's not going to, he doesn't get to do Aspis versus not Wendy Williams part three. So now he's like, well, what else are we going to do? Oh, I guess we'll just, uh, Run with the underdog story of Roxy. Right, because since he couldn't get plan A, plan B was to put over Roxy on Lash Legend in the other semifinal. Right. Which... Even though we already have Ro- we've already had Roxy get beat flat by Mandy Rose two, three weeks ago. Then we get Toxic Traction. Apparently they were gonna walk to the ring all together for Mandy's match against Indy Hartwell, but then Katana and Caden jump 
um, JC Jean and uh, Priscilla, Queen Priscilla. of the Trashbacks. Yeah, we'll call it. Yeah, I can't remember. Oh, um, Gigi. Gigi Dolan, thank you. God, I don't know why I forgot that name. Then we got Mandy Rose beating Indy Hartwell in a non-title match. Remember what I said that? Uh-huh. Uh, then she gets attacked by a sack of balls by Wendy Chu. Mm-hmm. And then Wendy Chu references her ball sack later on because uh-huh. that's PG. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever, 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 whatever. Oh, I got... Uh, there I am. You're still frozen. Oh, hi, 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 hi. Oh, there you go. Okay. We're here. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Quick blackout there for a second. Um, yeah, Tiffany Stratton wrestles in low tops. I got tweaked out by that. <laughs> I, I, I almost lost my fucking dinner when I saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, she beats Fallon, like I mentioned. Uh, then we eventually have Caden Katana do a backstage interview, joined by Wendy Chu, referencing hitting Mandy with her ball sack. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they all three of them challenge toxic attraction to respective title matches and in your house. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Uh, Tony D is going to have another sit down meeting with Santos and in your house. Why? To kill Why? two hours. I don't fucking know. Uh, uh, there's no fucking reason. Now, so in your house is this Saturday, right? Yes, which we'll get so to. So is it going to be in the PC or is it going to be wherever they're whole or is it going to be in Vegas? Please hold. <laughs> PC. Ugh. Uh, Tux Attraction accepts the challenges for title matches. Then we get the Carmelo trick and Cameron Grimes barbershop vignette. Whatever. Who the fuck is going to be Giovanni Vici? Uh, Vinci? Do we have any clue? No any clue. Hint? No? No. Uh, then we had Duke Hudson beat Braun Brecker Breaker by DQ because he brought in a chair because reasons. Um, yeah. Gotta show that he, he's angry. He's an angry man. Um, so now they could have Duke Hudson as the guy that nails fucking uh, uh, Joe Gacy for Gacy to win via DQ and Braun to lose a title. Oh, no. Oh, fuck no. Uh, or even worse, they're gonna have Duke dress as one of those two druids for the right. Match. Oh, like I said, fuck me. Like I said, have one of the druids oh, punch Joe Gacy. No, and, yeah. no, no, no. I mean, one of the druids made sense, but now you said Duke. Oh God, he's gonna be one of the druids now. No, 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 no. Um, so NXT in your house right now. We have a sit down between Santos and Tony D. We have the women's breakout tournament final between Tiffany Stratton and Roxanne Perez. And then not one, not two, not three, not four, but five championship matches. Women's tag titles, Katana and Kaden challenging Toxic Attraction. Women's title matches now a triple threat. (laughs) Remember what I said? (laughs) Mandy Rose beat Indy Hartwell, right? Yep. Andy Hartwell's been inserted into the title match now. <laughs> so it's Indy, Wendy Chu, and Mandy Rose. Oi. Uh, Braun Breaker and Joe Gacy for the NXT title. Breaker gets disqualified. He loses the title. Uh, the tag title's pretty deadly against the Creed Brothers. And then the <sighs> North American title, Grimes, against Carmelo. Winner, supposedly, if they actually pay attention to their fucking storylines, Winner apparently solo Sokoa gets next. Yep. 
So that so so I'm guessing Strong is going to cost the Creed brothers the the tag titles by probably kicking them out of Diamond Mine. Yep. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say Grimes retains. I'm going to say uh, uh, Mandy retains the great value. All the great ga- value gods retain because you think all the toxic attraction still wins. Yep. Yep. Okay. Because it's terrible. And then Braun and Gacy depends which version of Bruce Pritchard wakes up in the morning, I guess. Right. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Oh, God, I just realized I got to watch this and the other pay-per-view from a fucking hospital bed. This is going to be wonderful. Oh, I'm going to be checking that. my blood pressure every fucking 20 minutes going, what's wrong? I don't know. I got to watch this. Have you watched my TV? <laughs> Then we get SmackDown quick. Let me try to gloss over that. Um, Just saying, I only saw half a SmackDown because it's Friday nights. Joe Bob Briggs takes fucking preference. Uh, Nakamura challenged the Usos for a tag title match. Revealed his partner is going to be Riddle. Yeah, that's right. Sure. Raquel and Ronda, because they had to run back that title match, apparently, although they didn't really run it back because they didn't know contest when they got attacked by Shayna Baszler and Natalia. Yeah. Then they turned right around and had Raquel and Ronda beat Shane in an Italian tag match. Mm-hmm. For those reasons. Mm-hmm. Will Sotharios beat Ginger and Shanky? It looks like we're trying to have We're Shanky making Shanky a baby face. Yeah, and having him dance because reasons. Because you know that worked for Great Kali back in the day. Don't you remember? Yeah. He was yeah. a heel. He was a, he was a he was a seven foot he was a seven foot tall heel, and then they made him dance to fucking Punjabi music and he was a baby face. Don't you kiss. remember? Kiss cam thingy. Macaulay kiss cam. Burn you. Punjabi right. playboy. Yep. And then we have uh, Max Dupree and Adam Pierce in a throwaway backstage segment that really did nothing to do anything. It's no longer anything. night model management. Yeah, it's uh, I don't fucking remember. maximum model. Uh, maximum. Thank you. Yes. Uh, then we had the KO show with Sami Zayn. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, we had the, uh, we had a question answered that I asked a few weeks ago. Ludovic Kaiser made his SmackDown ring debut. Yep. Him and Gunta beat uh, Gulak and Ricochet, Ricochet in a tag match. Yep. Uh, Zane and the Usos had a backstage segment where the Usos made Sami Zayn an honorary member of the Usos because that's yeah. fucking nice. So over uh, over under, you think they add Gunta and Ricochet to uh, the pay-per-view? Mind you, mind you, I think pre- I, I consider pre-show as part of the pay-per-view. Pre-show, yes. I don't think it's gonna be on the actual card, though. Okay. Oh, maybe because right now they only have four matches officially announced. That's true. Um, and they we still don't have a second Hell in the Cell match. Correct, Amundo. God damn! I prayed that it's not trashly and almost. Um, I'm gonna get to that in a moment. Um, because it is on the card, and I'll I'll explain it in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, we ended SmackDown with Woods and uh, Kofi revealing Drew McIntyre as their partner for the six-man tag match against the Brawling Brutes is the name you were thinking of last yes. week. Yes, Which is Sheamus, Ridge Holland, and Butch. Mm-hmm. New Day and Drew went over, and that's how they ended the show. Um, your official card for Hell in a Cell as currently constructed. Omos and MVP against Lashley in a handicap match, not Hell in a Cell. Okay. Cody versus Seth in Hell in a Cell. Mm-hmm. Bianca, Asuka, and Becky triple threat for the Raw Women's title. Mm-hmm. 
Ezekiel versus KO. Mm-hmm. I'm one match. I'm pretty sure tonight we're going to get Veer Mahan versus Ray added to it, or another handicap match against Ray and Dom. I wouldn't do two handicap matches in the same pay per view. Yeah, you never know. But I would agree. But uh, you never know. You're telling us that my handicap in a cell. Okay, Vince. God damn it. Um. Yeah. So that's that. Um, based on the way the card looks right now, I'm gonna say they just let Omos and MVP get. I I don't know. I'm not so sure about that. Now that I think about it out loud, I don't know if they're actually gonna be completely done with this. So, well, I mean, what else are they gonna do with fucking Bobby? I don't fucking know. I could do without any of these guys right now. So actually, something tells me Bobby might go in the Money in the Bank match. Ugh, I know, I know, it's not. Yeah, not yeah, an option, but I was talking option. to I was talking to my buddy about this weeks ago. Like, here's something where none of this has made sense from the beginning. They're pushing Omos as this fucking Nigerian giant, right? Right. Because he is, because he can't speak English worth a fucking damn. And he's yada, seven yada. foot tall, and you can't teach that. Well, yeah, but still, wouldn't it have made sense if months upon months ago? They had put him with Apollo Crews. Over Aziz? Yeah. Or with Aziz? Instead of... It, it put Apollo Crews is African royalty. Why don't we right. put the giant-ass motherfucking African with them? Fair. <laughs> Fair. You're right. You're right. You're right, cuz. <laughs> Um, I want to assume Bianca's going to win her match. I, I don't know if that's right in assuming, but probably they got it because I think they got to re they, they got to give her a lengthier run than they did last time. And great, granted, she still had a, she, 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 she held the title for what? Four months last time between mania and SummerSlam. So I feel like they want to give her something longer oh, no, than four, that. You're right. Cause April, right. It yeah, I feel like they want to give her something a little longer this time. One would fucking hope. All right. Yeah, somehow I didn't transition to this banner, but fuck it, because now I got to go to the last one. <laughs> this is how we're closing the show. I did not warn you about this, but I hope. Uh-oh. Actually, you're the one that told me this news, but I'm Uh-oh. going to. Um... I didn't do it. Actually, no, I'm going to rewrite this. to rewrite this banner because I want to be more of a surprise. Ladies and gentlemen, the second ever edition of Brian Katie's Welcome to the Black Book. Oh, okay. Today, our inductee Brett fucking Waterdale. Yes. That's right. Holy fuck, I forgot. I completely forgot. This (laughs) motherfucker (laughs) <laughs> Brett Lauderdale, for those of you who don't know the name, first I of need all, a favor you. from you, bro. First of all, good for you for not knowing the name. That means you're not a scumbag or you haven't dug deep enough into the fucking rabbit holes of social media. Well, I mean, he did, he was featured prominently on the Nick Gage episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Fuck Brett Lauderdale. Brett Lauderdale is owner, promoter, yes. booker. Yes. yes. For Game Changer Wrestling. Started out, as a, started out as a referee for Combat Zone Wrestling. Oh, great. So we know he really is scum. 
Well, yeah, because he fucking he was buddies with DJ Hyde before he went off on his own he's shit. A, so that just says a, everything. He's a uh, oh fuck it, I'll say it. I, it was about to come out of my mouth, so I was fucking. So he's a glorified Will Dojan with money. <laughs> no, I will give him this. He was a competent referee, which is something Will Dojan never has been. Okay, all right. So he's never mind. I don't even. I can't even think of another. I mean, I can't think of another referee, but he's not refing anymore, so it's not worth saying his fucking name. Um. <laughs> And the other guy I was going to say is much more respectable than Brett Lauderdale. So, again, I'm not going to say his name. Um, so, news spilled out on social media over the past week. Brett Lauderdale, leader of the GCW Nation, <laughs> that all deserves to be punched out and buried six feet under like all you basement goblins out there. Paid for fake negative COVID tests in order to run shows that he booked certain talents on. I will repeat that in case you thought you misheard what I said here in 2022. A pro wrestling promoter paid for fake negative COVID tests in order to run shows that he booked certain talents on. Do I need to fucking explain anything else? You know what's funny uh, that I, that I didn't realize until after I had sent you the the fucking info about that. Go ahead. The initial fucking screenshot they had everyone's uh, last names blurbed over. Yeah. But then the screenshots of all the fake negative COVID tests had their full names on them. <laughs> I need to see if I can fucking find that again. Hang you on. can't. Yeah, just, just, just zoom. <laughs> Because now I'm interested. I want to see what the names were that I did. I didn't. I like the thing is, there's a lot. Oh, of we're gonna newer, cross reference. It's called the internet. We'll figure it out. There's a lot of newer, newer workers who shoot names. I'm not completely familiar with. That's, so that's what the why. internet's for, my friend. Give me a moment. Let me try to pull up the picture first. Mm-hmm. By the way, fuck Will Osprey. I don't know why I have a Will Osprey pick. Oh, right. He talks about WWE again. Fuck. Yeah, you. that's right. That we hadn't touched on that. That's yeah, right. Yeah, and it's not we're touching on. It's Will Osprey. Um, let me see here. Okay, so I have. All right, so the names. I've got it right here. Doxy. Yes. I have. You gotta oh, look at yeah. that one. Why would Why would he blur out the, the names there, but not there? That makes no sense. Yeah. Wow. So all let right. me let me start going through these here. All right, I'm gonna go to Google myself here. Let's see. Oh, dear God almighty. I hope that's not the case. Um, oh, yeah. The sex offender. Yeah, that, that was the first name I just looked up. Oh, dear Lord almighty. Uh, I'm not finding. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm not. I, I put wrestling after that name and I'm not seeing it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not having too much success either. Here. I think I know that second name because I recognize the last name. But uh, hold on. Oh, my freaking God. Homicide. Yes. That's what I just pulled up. I was like, I know. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's. Yep. Wow. 
wow, Homicide just got blown up by this dude on accident. Oh, man. Wow, 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 wow. Uh, Ricky Shane Page is another one. Just figured that one out. Was that one of the ones you thought you knew? No, it was uh, no, but uh, but yet uh, and yet. Okay, yep. No, that that one's not coming up. So let me see. I'm gonna cross reference with my uh, social media contacts. Uh, Matthew Justice is another one. He is a Cali guy. It's um underneath WWE work. Demonic Truex. Uh, there's a, there's a, a, another death, another another death match guy just came up for me. Matthew Justice was a tag champion with Mance Warner at GCW. Okay. All right. Yep. And was also a tag champion with Gregory Iron at a few different promotions as well. He was in the PWI 500 this past year. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Oh, we're really just man. We're just oh man. We're just digging and digging and digging here, man. Um, I swear to God, if this is who I think it is, Brett Hoffman. Oh, Brett Lardell even uh, commented on the uh, the 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 allegations. Yeah. Let's see. Uh. McDonald claimed uh, Ron McDonald it was the guy's name. He claimed to have made over, <laughs> made over, yeah. This clown over here. He made over fifty fake COVID tests. By the way, is what he's alleging. Jesus. Um, and let's see here. Oh, I even have more. Schlack. Oh man, yeah, I know Schlack. I know Jay. That's that. Uh, no, that's the name for Martin Schlachter. That's Schlack is the S H L A K is the name. Yeah. For that guy. No, like he usually people call him Jay. They okay. don't call him Schlack, but Schlack, he's the big jacked, all tattooed. The guy that the guy that everyone still tries to fucking they try to lump him in with fucking neo-Nazis because at one time he worked at a tattoo parlor where one okay. of the guys there for a bit was a fucking neo-Nazi. And he's like, dude, that's not my fucking bag. Like but people still fucking try to lump him in with those people. But yeah, Schlack, Schlack does a lot of deathmatch stuff. Um, by the way, um, all right, so Lodo did not comment. He just said he referred the matter to his attorney. <laughs> yeah, you go uh, ahead and do that there. By the way, guess who else was one of the guys he got a fake COVID test for? Who? Himself. <laughs> Brett Hoffman is his real name. Brett Lauderdale is his work name. Like, so this isn't, this isn't like an admission of that. These people were positive. This is just a matter of I'm going to fucking skirt the system instead of having these people go and get rapid tests done. Yeah. Like, so even if they, even if they were completely clean, like that's just, it's no, the fuck. Yep. Trying to see if there's any other name that I can pull up here. Um, there's one other name I'm going to check quick. Well, yeah. So, uh, Nathan Kelly. 
I get an amateur wrestler, but that's not going to be who I'm looking for. So, yeah. So, Brett Lauderdale, Brett Hoffman, whatever the fuck you want to call yourself, go fuck yourself. How about that? That's the long and short of this segment. Um, Yeah. Anything else you want to say about Brett Lauderdale before we get out of here? Uh, not really. I found that last guy. Uh, he's uh, yeah, he's he's a, 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 a. I don't know who he is personally, but judging by his social media, he's a fucking red hat wearing fuck Nathan Kelly. Oh, lovely. Yeah, we have a Trump enthusiast in the house. Yay. Yeah. Yay. Launch go attack the Capitol. Anyways, yeah. um, yeah. Anything else you'd like to add, sir? I'm good. All right. I, um, I know that uh, next week we might be delayed by a day or two. Right. Just because I, 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 my long-awaited, hopefully, final surgery is happening on Friday. And we might need a day or two to digest whatever happens at In Your House and Hell in a Cell anyway. So, True story. yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah. Uh, a little long today, I know. But, you know, we had a lot of shit to cover. Yeah, because AEW is a fucking mess. Yep, and simple. Um, so yeah, that was episode fifty-two of White Heat. Thank you very much for joining us. Catch me on Twitter at Brian Cady, B R I A N C A D Y, all one word. He's at JJ underscore Alexander. If you don't know how to spell that, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> Email address, comments, complaints, whatever. Uh, Brian at GodzillaMedia.com. White Heat, presented by Godzilla Media, sponsored by our friends at Mohawk Honda and the Albany Empire this week. JJ, have fun in the hospital trying to watch Helena selling in your house. <laughs> sure. Say goodbye, JJ. Goodbye, JJ. <laughs> <laughs>